Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a very, very special episode of Forfeit Podcast. I'm Metal Matt. With me, as always, is Big John Stud, Wild Bill. We got the J-Lo coming on momentarily. But, fellas, this is a very special Forfeit. This is our 100th episode. Wow. We did this 100 times. That's crazy. Can can you think of anything else that you've done? We didn't get any music or nothing. A hundred times. Uh, then we'll, get that, we'll fix that in post. I'll fix it in post. I'll fix it in <laughs> post. Off clubs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did we ever play men's night a hundred times? Basketball. Did we even love men's night? All right, that's not a good. <laughs> that's not a good. That's not a good comparison. No, I, mean, I think you loved it. Long, a long, a long time to do something. Hundred times, and how long? When did we start? What was the? What and was we're the all number? still a lot. And we're all still a lot. We all haven't choked each other out yet. <laughs> That's for a hundred episodes. The night is young. <laughs> all right, here's a sound clip for you, Bill. There you go. <laughs> we should all have the actor of the gods. A poppy of Dale's Pale Ale. This episode brought to you by Dale's Dale's Pale Ale. <laughs> the nectar of the gods. That's right, wild one. Well, yeah, hey, you yeah, know, like, congratulations, congratulations to you guys. Mazel. 100 episodes. Well, with, that, with that, we've got some good news, some bad news, right? We want to we jump into, um, you know, definitely some Sixers talk. See if you guys are ready to push the panic button or if you're, you know, riding steady. Uh, take your temperature there. Um, we got baseball back. What do you think? The billionaires, you know, and millionaires finally, you know, decided, uh, agreed on something. Um, NFL free agency. There's some interesting stuff going on there so far. Like to get your guys' thoughts on that. Um, March Madness right around the corner, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're filling out our brackets. Time to get my nuts clipped. And I'll tell you what, the only... I know where the perfect bracket is. Where? It's, it's in my account. I, I can give you the username and password, but that'll cost you. Uh. <laughs> uh, but the sad news is, you know, we lost a legend. We lost a legend. Scott Hall, WWF slash WWE. Um, you know, known uh, mostly for his role as Reza Ramon. That's a very poor impersonation, but that was excellent. Actually, it's my best. It's what I got right now. So, pull your toothpicks out, raise one up for 100 episodes, and rest in peace, Scott Hall. What was the what was the first um, episode? Like, do you remember the actual date? Like, was it 2009? Resident Evil premiered on a Saturday late morning telecast when they did an interview, when they used to do those interviews, like, offset. He was in a cafe, and uh, he did an interview, like, as Razor Ramon in character, and he, you know, he did his, he did his, his, his uh, thing. But that was, I remember that was, set, that was on the Saturday morning, like, when, like, you know, you didn't have the elite wrestlers, but whoever wrestled, wrestled like the Brooklyn Brawler or somebody on the Saturday morning shows. But they Andy used to, Brown. like, 
they used to do like uh you know like cutaway clips of like you know ted dibiase like having his his, his rolls royce washed and stuff like mm-hmm. but i remember when they introduced uh razor ramon and uh and it was just like he kept on saying oozing with machismo he said it like four or five times it was great and he definitely had the uh the, the toothpick and like seven or eight no it was classic razor ramon and i remember he was yeah he was he he was he was an athlete he was he was big and strong he was he was a technician that's what they like to call it in in the in the wrestling industry he was like also bringing like the, the heel, the bad guy, like you know what I mean. Like, yeah, no, that's how he started out. He became a good guy for a little bit in WWF, but not very long. I think when he, I think he became like the Intercontinental Champion for a little bit, and he was a good guy for a little bit, but then it didn't last. And then I think he ended up at WCW as Scott Hall, you know, with uh, NWO, and that was his like second coming of his career. Over there, him, him, and him and Kevin Nash, they uh, oh, look who it is! They were they had their tag team thing going. Look at the cat draw again. We've got the J Lo. J Lo, I know you're on mute, and I know you're trying to power through some dinner right now. I understand that, but I have to congratulate you on a hundred episodes. We just were talking hundred episodes. We haven't strangled each other. It's come close. We've we've come close to fisticuffs, um, but hey, man, what what you know? Name something else that you've done a hundred times that you love. J Lo's probably got one. J Lo's probably got got something. That, you know, a hundred times is a is a is a lot of times to do something that you really love. You know, like consistently. You got my, something. You got something on the. Ride my bikes. Ride my bikes. Yeah. I can't say I've done it. Uh, well, I've probably done it a hundred times, but not as consistent as we do the podcast. You know, because you think doing a podcast. I sold all the ones that are in my garage. Oh, uh, good. I hope you got a, a pretty penny for those. And yeah. I hope, and I hope by now, since since you're storing most of my guitars that you've that you've taught yourself how to play, oh, at oh. least one of them. Yeah, in the back. <laughs> You lit oh, one of them on. You lit one of them on fire. Yeah. Uh, there's also one that's in a thousand pieces because I smashed them like a like a true guitarist. There you go. <laughs> it's an art form. Uh, Matt, was what was our first episode date? By the way, did you? I'm trying to find, I'm trying to look back into the archives for that. Was it 2019? Well, it's. I went back to forfeit episode one here, and it just says it, had to be because of it says two years two years ago, and I think it was it was like June July ish of it had to be the eighteen man. of 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 yeah no of nineteen I think I think no it had to be eighteen because the our one of our last episodes together was in right before the pandemic in nineteen, but we had already recorded that in that that previous fall right because we were yeah, like, like we, we had the- talked about we were talking i think during 2018 discussing what they should do with, with the whole once and falls thing in 2018 so mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> crazy how how everything panned out 
how much has changed since then? How many, you know, like playoff game since then? Um, let's see what else hasn't happened since then. Oh, God. Well, we thought we were entering the roaring 20s. Sixers have not made a conference finals. Phillies have not, Phillies have oh. has had historically bad bullpens every year since then. Oh, you see, you I, think I, see icicle, I think I see icicles forming on Bill's uh, computer camera it's screen. It's not cold takes. It's, you got, what you guys consider cold takes are, what, are, are facts. Facts. Like, so, you don't wanna, yeah. Remember they, the reason they traded up for Wentz? Yeah, because how he said there's not a generational quarterback coming in next year's draft, and they had Deshaun and Patrick Mahomes, and I think I forget who else probably other amazing quarterbacks. Way to go, Howie! Jesse, they knock that out of the park. Jesse, did you tie dye that that Union jersey yourself, or is that do they actually wear those? This was the Pride uh, warm up jersey from last season. Oh, it's a warm up jersey. Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's no uh, numbers on it. So they wear warm up jerseys in soccer. They just don't go out there with like what they're going to play in. No, like before the like before the game. Oh, uh, okay. They'll they'll wear. So they only do these like they did. Um, they do like a military one. They do a um, a pride one. They do. Those are the two and uh, childhood breast cancer. cancer. They do like breast cancer or something. Uh, just a uh, child. I think Child. it's childhood right now. Nice. And then for for breast cancer, they do um, uh, ri- ribbons on the jerseys. Ribbons. Cool. So. Way to represent. But yeah, I mean, you know me. Got to have my tie dye. I, I know. I saw it. I mean, much to nothing. I would expect nothing less from from you. I think the next birthday party that Jesse has, it should be a tie-dye party. Tie-dye themed. Like every everybody brings like white shit and we just tie-dye. tie-dye we'll tie-dye the cake, yeah, you know, and everything. Tie-dye, gift wrap. Just have Grateful Dead come in the backyard. and Fish and Grateful Dead just on the whole time. Yeah, that's a great party idea, John. Oh, my God. The negativity from Bill is just like <laughs> It's just like. It's like I, I, we should We're just trying to. We, no. What we should do is we should get every NFL, NBA, MLB team in like a bingo thing, and we'll roll it, and then we'll just pick out new teams for Bill for each one of the the, uh, the leagues, so he can he can root for a new team. Matt, when you walk the door, the, there'll be a a plate of mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> so then you can see actual tie dye. Like in the sky and, you know, whatever else you see when you're under the influence of, of such chemicals. But, yeah, cheers to oh, 100 episodes, J-Lo. Here's the, here's the probably five more episodes that we got in us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if Bill keeps talking the way he's talking, I don't know. Again, you say it's negative. I just am here to... Say I don't root for mediocre teams. I'm sorry. I, I it's, Bill, it's, aren't you a fan of the Knicks? No, no. I, <laughs> I used to. I, I used to cheer for them in the '90s because I Bill I had a passion. Like Bill had eight. a passion for that team. That '93. I, I love Anthony Mason. Team. I thought I, that's who I wanted to be as a professional basketball player with Anthony Mason. 
What, uh, what's negative? Tell me about no, how am I being negative? I stated facts. The Eagles haven't won a playoff game since. Oh, I'm talking, oh, I'm talking, I'm talking. Let's talk with the, start with the Sixers. That's where we're. This, All right, let's this. go to the Sixers. Let's go to the Sixers. Okay, here, here's here's what I here's what we got queued up for the Sixers. My question was, are we pushing the panic button yet? And I'll go around. I'll go around round robin. Okay, I'll go last. Okay, let's start with Big John Stud. No, we're not. Why would we be pushing a panic button? This team has just started with their new lineup in in what four games? Like everybody, just relax for a little bit, calm down. If we all started to pick up a basketball and got to the court tomorrow and had four games in us, we wouldn't. I would hit every shot. I would hit every shot. Of course, eight games. But but okay, we wouldn't be a uh, eight games. They played together. Okay, excuse me. How? How? I'm sorry. Out of a eight games, out of a. Uh, 82 game season, but we didn't play the first half because it's a completely different team. Like, why is this like? Why is this not surprising? I don't understand it. Like, all of a sudden, it's just a flip a flip a sw- uh, uh, switch. Like, if they trade Kevin Durant to the Sixers, all of a sudden the team would be just, you know, scoring 140 points a game, and there'd be no, you know, uh, issues, concerns. Of course. I mean, I, I don't get it. Like this type of attitude. Have this after the season. If they lose in the second round, first round, or Eastern Conference Finals or something, like the the whole the whole negative, like um, I'm out on this team eight games in, like come on, we got James Harden, like didn't we all want a superstar? Didn't we all want? It wasn't he the best option, <clears throat> and we got him. So now we're gonna be now we're gonna be pissed off and negative about it. Like go ahead, please explain. Okay, I'll go next. <laughs> I don't. I don't think the pan, I don't think we have to p- push the panic button here. Okay, and for a lot of reasons why I agree with you, John. I think you know, eight games in an NBA season is such a small. It's not even a sliver, right? And we've got we've got about fourteen to fifteen games left to figure it out. Now, what I'm going to say is. We have two bona fide superstars on the team, one being, um, you know, the front runner probably for MVP and another one, arguably a top five player, right, in the league. So in 15 games plus eight, what is that, 23 games? Like, you you should be able to figure it out. Now, if we roll into the playoffs and we get, we get, demolished either in the first round or even the second round, then I'd say, okay, like what, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like I'd be a little bit disappointed, but if we, if we make our way all the way to the NBA finals, even if we lose in the finals, even if we, we show up and we say we go six games, you know what I mean? But ultimately lose, I'd say that's still a tremendous sign of improvement. We should hold our heads up high yeah, we don't want to lose by any means, but it's the furthest we've got. And we did it with a brand new team in less than half a season. And with like the third of a bench, you know what I mean? Like, I think you, you, you look, you look at like last night's game. I really think there's multiple ways to look at every game, right? Especially games that you lost, right? It's all about how you look at it. I sat back and looked at that game as a tale of two halves. Okay. 
the first half, everything was going right for the Sixers. Nuggets were struggling. They couldn't hit shots. They were trying to figure us out defensively, trying to figure out how to play, you know, and, be, and figure out Embiid, um, how to how to how to how to stop Harden. Um, Matisse had played a wonderful game. I think I think he's showing tremendous strides, continuing to as, as well as Maxi. Even if we lose games, I still feel like there's there's positive takeaways, and I think in those two players young players that we're investing in. And we showed our commitment by not giving them up in the hardened trade. Like a lot of people thought we would and would be okay with it. I think we're, they're showing their, they're proving their worth, right? Um, they, they're continuing to grow. And I think, I, and I think if it wasn't for James Harden, you know, coming to this team, I don't think their growth would be um, as accelerated as it is right now. I mean, all the knowledge and the veteran experience that he has at the, you know, performing at the highest level in, in, in the pros, I think it's just proven to be invaluable to, I think they're soaking it up like a sponge and I, it's exciting to watch. Okay. Should we have won that game last night? Yes. I can tell you why I think we didn't win is because we couldn't, we couldn't, throw a basketball through a fucking barn door the second half. Everything that was going our way in the first half wasn't in the second half, and you can't do that against good teams like Denver, right? Now, with that being said, I'm surprised with how bad the second half went. We only lost by four points. It's not like Denver was, like, you know, you know, moving mountains or anything, which is why I go back to, okay, this is regular season. This is a snapshot. It's one game. Okay, I'm still interested to see put us up against Denver or put us up against Brooklyn or put us up against anyone in a seven game series. That's where I'm. That's that's where what I'm really interested in seeing. Okay, should we have won? Yes, we should win every game. Right. As fans, we want we want we want to win every game. We're just not going to win every game, you know, and. It's that's reality. And it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm ride or die with this team right now. Um, I'm trying just to stay as positive as possible, even though sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with the Negadelphians sometimes, you know, it runs through my head, like, fuck this team, you know, like, what are we doing? This was a mistake. You know, it all runs through all of our heads, but at the end of the day, it's like, you got to think about, where we are, where we come from, like four weeks ago, we were like, if this team doesn't do something to fix this, we're out. Like we're, and we're just out. You know what I mean? Cause think of it. We were like, we were sold this process that failed, but now look, look what we have. Like, and we knew what we were getting in James Harden. We knew he liked to go out and party. We knew he liked, we knew what his little isms were. But we were all okay with it when we were drunk on the trade. You know what I mean? So now it's like little little inklings of reality are starting to creep in. And it's like you can't sit there and tell me that you – this is a shock. You know what I mean? Like um, now, you know, there's other people that are going to be pointing the finger directly at, at Doc, you know. And he's another one. It's like, all right, Doc. 
you know, you're a seasoned, you know, veteran coach. You're supposed to be able to wrangle all this veteran talent and handle personalities. And, you know, you've, you've shown that you can win a championship in Boston doing, doing this. All right. You got the guard you wanted. So like you have 14 games, 15 games to figure it out and we'll see what happens in the playoffs. You know, I mean, I just, uh, I think I went a little long there, but that's that's my whole that's my total take on the Sixers right now. And I think I'm I'm going to try to hold firm and hold strong the rest the rest of regular season. Like I I don't really have any big expectations is what I'm saying right now. You know, should we win these games? Yeah. But like. I don't know. Let them figure it out. Let them figure it out, because four weeks ago before we had James Harden. You know, we thought we were going to have to blow this this whole thing up, and I don't think we have to. I think we need to get. I think I think it's becoming abundantly clear that Furkan Korkmaz is not going to do it for us. You know, I mean, I think our bench, and that's another thing we all knew. We knew this bench is paper thin. You know, I mean, beneath you know, aside from the minivan, you know, who couldn't, who was missing wide open threes wide open threes all game last night. If he hit two of those, we win the game. So, you know, if Toby hit, if he didn't miss those two foul shots, you know, like we, we were in a better position to win, but like, we just, we were off. We were cold. We were ice cold all second half. And you can't do that against good teams like Denver. Now it's just, but it's one game. So who, who wants to go next? No, go. I mean, I'm not a, a basketball savant by any stretch of the imagination. You do but, a pretty good job, though, J-Lo. You do I better mean, at, at following basketball than, than I do with soccer. Well, I mean, I called the spade a spade with Simmons a while ago, but, let I mean, that's neither here nor there. But, like, they're, they're third seed in the East, right? They're three games out of being the first seed. And I mean, they 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 unfortunately went stone cold from the floor, and they they couldn't buy a shot. I mean, it was the same thing in the Brooklyn in that Brooklyn game. Like, you're gonna you're gonna get cold every once in a while. Unfortunately, they went cold, and Denver got hot and was able to close the gap and take the lead, and then close it out in the end. Like, the the Sixers' biggest problem now is. Um, their their bench is about as shallow as a kiddie pool. Like, you know, again, I'm no basketball savant, but that clown that took the last two shots at the end of the game, like, I I could have at least gotten the ball in front of the backboard. Like, let's start there. Sure. And then when you get your own, you know, the ball gets cycled back to you, uh, again, you're you're down by three. Me not being a basketball savant, I would have thought, Hey, why don't I kick it to the guy that's at the arc by himself for a wide open three instead of trying to take a contested shot under the basket for two points? And if you don't get fouled, you lose by one. So, you know, that that's just, you know, the Sixers having a shallow bench and, you know, Doc is starting to show, I think, the limitations of what – um he's going to be able to do for the Sixers. So, 
But yeah, it's it's it, it'd be one thing if they were like the the nine seed chasing Brooklyn to get in. They're the third seed, and at this point, they're going to play what the Cavs. That's a series they should win. They should win that easily. I mean, the, the only team I I don't think they really want to play is the Nets because of the matchup. So. Yeah, if they continue to struggle and they collapse, then it's one thing. But right now they're they're the third seed, so you know, calm the fuck down. I love it. What? Which means, which no, means, which Amen. means, don't don't push the panic button. Yeah. All right, let me go get my scarf. Let me get my gloves. <laughs> oh, Uh-oh. No, I'm letting the I'm letting the positivity ooze out of you three. I I I, I don't want to damper the uh, the suck fest over uh, over the over the Sixers. Can no, I problem just, is, not, is we need facts. We need facts. You want, you want facts? Need okay, facts. let's talk about facts. You want yeah. to, let's let's let, let's shoot some facts. Sixers, quote unquote, shoot cold pretty consistently when you look at the Nets game, the Heat game, the Celtics game. The Nuggets game. Do you see a pattern here? When we play teams that aren't the Magic or the Knicks, we struggle. All right? And I'm not blaming James. I'm leading this into Joel. Joel had 35 of the most meaningless points last night I've ever seen in a 35-point game. He had four points in the fourth quarter and four turnovers. That is where my issue lies, that Joel Embiid still is not learning how to be the closer in game. Because James Harden... That's never been the closer in games. Not going to become the closer. It has to go through Joel. And he continuously reverts back to the let me play into contact for the whistle. Where you're getting a preview of how they're going to call it. And it's only going to get worse in the playoffs. They're going to swallow those whistles even more. And Joel is just going to start doing this flopping bullshit that he started doing again these last two or three weeks. Have no idea why he's regressing into that, and that is why my opinion's drastically done almost a 180 with positivity with this team because I see this team regressing, and it's doing it at the wrong time. And I really, I think we're seeing the reality that yes, maybe the pieces aren't the greatest, but now we're we're seeing the flaws front and center from. Doc from 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 Glenn Rivers, our coach, that he can't manage a game and put the pulse on the game of who meshes with who. And I get it; it's early. It's only been a month of having James on the team. I'm not I'm not saying that things won't get better on a rotational level, but to once again blow a 19 point lead at home against a Denver team that has four oh has one has two of their original five starters starting. It's, it's, it's a terrible game. It's a terrible game. And those are the kind of games that really good teams don't have. And I'm questioning if we're a really good team or just an above average team who, like the Eagles, beats up on inferior opponents at a great clip. And then when it's time to play somebody that matches up pretty well, we shrink. And that's where my coldness comes in. It's the reality of is four of our last four losses are against playoff teams. So I don't know how you ignore that fact going into the playoff run where we can't beat good teams. 
And so, I mean, I mean, that's just that's just the reality. I mean, I, I don't not watch the games. I don't not root for this team. Is Chicago but not seeing, a good team? Getting James, I thought was going to change that uh, pretty quickly, and it's it's clearly not. And not that it has to happen overnight. I get that they're six and two in games that he plays. That's a great record. You know, uh, you know, he, if you ever if you ever get out over a course of a season, that's a, close to a sixty win team. It's a great team. You know, I understand that. <laughs> so, so, the Bucks, just, so the Bucks, the Bucks losing to the Warriors the other night by 13 points. That's okay for the Bucks. Yeah, well, two things. They lost on the road. They didn't lose by 29 at home. They didn't lose by what they. Oh, lost we lost by four last by. night. We lost by four last night though, and last night was a terrible game. <clears throat> and we lost by four. Well, what I'm what I'm saying is is that. If you look at our record, that we early in the season we beat some good teams when we were playing good, but since the new year, we're not beating the good teams. We're just not, and that's that's not a trend that you can just ignore and say, "Oh, it's all right, it's all right, it's a long season. We're going to figure it out." No, it's not a long season. I Bucks mean, we're also lost. The Bucks also lost to the, the, the Trailblazers. The Bucks also points. lost to the Trailblazers, one twenty-two, one hundred seven. They lost to the Suns, one thirty-one, one hundred seven. The Trailblazers stink. We also I'm just do- saying, like this, these, these are, but they're flashed in the pan regular season games. You know what I mean? We also beat Denver last year in November by like thirteen points or something without James Harden. Denver blew Denver blew the Bucks out earlier uh, in January at home at in Milwaukee, one thirty-six to one hundred. So like, you know, I, I I get what you're saying, but I'm just I don't to to do a total 180 on this team after eight games of being rebooted is just a little early for for me personally, you know. No, and and that, and that's and that's you know that's why you know that yeah that's your choice. I just I I think this team that's like my opinion, that man. That game if. You're you're really discarding what that Brooklyn game was. Like you're really discarding it. That was man up, let's man up, and we got embarrassed in our home court. Embarrassed. If you just say we weren't embarrassed, then you're just lying to yourself. We got embarrassed yeah, on national TV. That's a true statement. However, are you going to base one embarrassing loss? No, I, no, you're right. It's regular season. So what did we do? We came back the next game. And we're down by 20 the entire game to Orlando. Fought back and won. Great win. And then what do we do the next night? We, we, we scored 19. And then everybody starts playing like they always do when we go up big. Joel tries to go between the legs. Turnover. James starts trying to make these fancy passes on alley-oops in the three-people lane turnover. And that's my problem. It's good teams put game teams away. And I still don't think whether it's coaching the roster makeup, a combination, or whatever, that this team doesn't know how to close out games, and you'll just figure that out in the playoffs is what my major concern that I'm seeing with this team is. And, you right. know, so if the playoffs are a long thing, it's I think we could easily go to the finals, or we can easily lose in round one if we have to play the Bucs. Or even the Celtics scare me in round one, Yeah, you know. It's one of those. There's, there's no easy round one matchup, unless maybe if we run into the Cavs, because we match up really well with them. 
But I mean that I think that's what I guess I'm bracing for is that that you know we there there are teams out there the Bucks who, have, who are champions, the Heat who have gotten to the finals and have champion and have champions with Carol Lowry on the team, Kevin Durant and Kyrie playing focus now, and then what do we have? We have a team with our MVP candidate who scores four points in the fourth quarter in a, in a national televised game against the other MVP candidate. But here's the thing. I hear you there, but my that's where me looking at it, I'm like, okay, Joel usually goes out and plays his heart out night in and night out. And I feel like he was do, trying to do that last night too, okay? Well, I don't now, question his effort. Oh, I never question his effort. Never question his effort. Okay, but like that's where my concern – that's where I'm concerned about our bench. Like when – when your superstar is struggling, right, which they do, they're human, right? They can have off nights or they can go cold or they could just struggle or like, you know, the, the team, you know, the, the, the opposing team comes out of halftime, you know, and they adjust, right? Um, where's that guy coming off the bench providing that spark, you know? It's not Danny, wasn't Danny Green. Danny Green, you know, scored nothing last night. Nothing. off injury, I'll give him that. I, I get I get that, but hit a shot. Like you're you're good enough to play. Hit a shot. Like it, 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 we needed a shot last night. We needed a, we needed someone to step up, and that's that's to my point is like you see all these teams that go on these championship runs in the playoffs. What do they normally have? They have talent. They have a little bit of luck, and they have a lot of times they have someone, and this happens in all sports. They have someone that just comes out of nowhere and who the other team didn't see coming and they had no answer for it in that short, in that when it mattered most. You know what I mean? And we just don't, we don't have that guy coming off the bench for us. We used to in, in Seth, you know, but unfortunately, yeah, I mean, you had to give up something to get Harden, you know, but it's like, it's, it's not going to be Isaiah Joe. I'm sorry. It's not going to be Furkan Korkmaz. It's it. We're hoping it's minivan, but like last night he couldn't throw a basketball through a barn door. You know, I mean, it's just who's the guy, you know, I mean, Danny Green, you said like he's coming off injury, but veteran player, you know, great shooter. You know, he knows he's been on teams that have won. I mean, step up, you know. We just need guys that who's going to step up, you know. I, I think that's my looking, main concern is I when the going looking. gets tough, and say we're up, we need to, you know, we need to close out a game to to kind of like turn the tables in a playoff series, and we need we need someone to step up to help bury them. I don't think we have it coming off the bench. I just don't think we do. You know, go ahead, John. No, I, I think that. I think they were kind of searching for that one person. And I think what the Sixers were trying to do is trying to get a collective second unit, um, a consistent second unit that can take over, can get points. It doesn't specifically have to be a four con, a shake. It's going to be a collective five guys that are going to do it. Because to your point, there's not a guy off the bench. There isn't that Carmelo Anthony, that Jamal Crawford, that – that insert, you know, C-level, B-level star here that's coming off the bench. 
it's going to have to be a collective group of DeAndre Jordan, Shake. Um, DeAndre and, Jordan can never play another minute on this team again. The fact that he's on the court, it, him, it, it, it's him or Millsap. It's it's literally like I don't know what game Dockers and Daryl Morey are watching, but watching those two and not giving Paul Reed and Charles Bassey a legitimate shot at that position, it's it's absolutely insanity. Like that's what's so I guess infuriating. I'll shut up. I didn't mean to cut you off in your take. It's what our second unit lacks is energy and just that like scrappiness. And you got two guys, backup centers, and Bassey and Paul Reed. That that's what their game is. But yet, since they're second-year guys, there's a lack of trust factor when instead we put a guy like DeAndre Jordan who can hit foul shots, can shoot, all they can do is rebound and dunk, and he still had somehow two turnovers last night in less than 10 minutes. Like, those are the things that I have no tolerance for because he's a 33-year-old veteran in the league, and he's in the game to make veteran plays, not turn the ball over, not grab a rebound with one foot on the fucking bounds lines, like... That's rookie mistakes. So you're selling me on playing guys like Jordan and Millsap for their veteran savvy, but yet they both make non-veteran plays. And and on top of that, they lack any athleticism or energy that this team needs. So I instantly, I have no pleasure in this, come back to is such a Doc Rivers. The fact that I don't know what game he's watching. To sit there and say that DeAndre Jordan gives us the best 10 minutes we need for a backup center. Like, I, I, I just don't get it. I just really don't get it. And that's where, I guess, I don't know. I, I was hoping by now to see all four of them get a fair shot, but it's clearly going to be Jordan and Millsap, which is which sucks because both of those guys are a net negative game in and game out. The Andre Jordan was, like, ranked, like, the worst defensive center in the league, like, for, like, two like, – Every article I read is like, how is he even in the NBA? But no, that's our guy to back up Joel in, in our playoff championship push. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's where um, th- some of the deflating came out. And, and, and I get it. You just can't create a buyout market. Guys have to be out there, you know. But we have a backup point guard problem. And again, I understand you can't make anybody come here. Like, And, and I'm not nitpicking. We got James Harden. That is a big deal. That's going to keep this franchise competitive. From first at least two or three more seasons after this year, um, but the fact that we made no other roster changes, you know, I guess to me, you know, it, it, it's I it, after seeing what we have, I don't know. I, I I guess just and then and then he pulls the trigger quick on the guys like Isaiah Joe for for who for what like like the guy comes in hits a couple threes. Plays defense. It's like ah, you know, he's a like again. I don't think he's the Lord and Savior, but like at least he comes in and doesn't play scared like Corky. Danny Green. It's like almost hard to watch that guy play basketball anymore. The way he runs, like I really almost feel like he runs like us, like uh, being out there, like because we're old <laughs> and that, and it's a shame because I, I I wish he was Danny Green from two years ago when we first signed him, but that Danny Green like. I haven't watched Andy Green hit a shot. I know he's made a couple. I haven't seen him hit a shot in probably like three weeks. Like physically, I mean, I haven't watched every minute, so I know he has scored, but I haven't seen it. Like, and he's supposed to be come in and he's our professional shooter off the bench. Like, that's where I think the I, the the frost coming off the pumpkin with this team. That hey, is it a bad team now? 
I'm not not being I'm not being a jerk off saying this guy they're a bad team. They don't like they don't have a puncher shot at making a run if you know some things happen. But just seeing them play, you know, and watching more games lately of other teams, I mean, we we're, we're six seven deep at best, and most legitimate contenders are eight to eleven guys deep. And we don't think it matters now, but it's going to matter in a couple of weeks. And it's like that's what sucks that like. Like, our starters outscored the Nuggets starters by 35 last night. Like, you, like I saw the, the, the number, like, you, you win the game, like, 97% of the time when your starters outscored the starters by over 30 points. And we did it, and we lost the game still. Like, those are, like, those are the behind-the-number numbers that I kind of key into. It's like, this wasn't a game that was back and forth all game, and they made a couple big shots late. It's, we, we dominated for three and a half quarters, and then when it mattered – when it mattered to put the bucket in, turnover, 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 miss shot, miss shot. And, and again, it's one game. You lose a lot of games in the regular season. But I think I think what because the reality is, is we're not getting a James Harden that's going to score 40 when we need him to. Like, I think 25 is his good game, which is great. Like, that's – he's doing his job. Like, he's here to give us 25 and 12, and he's going to do that most games. But – between Toby and Maxi and Thibel, like, and Shake and Yang, like, three or four of those guys got to give us double-digit points, and none of them do consistently, and that sucks. And I, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's just going to flip the switch in the playoffs and it just fucking comes. Like, oh, okay, there's Toby at 25 a game. Oh, there's Maxi not joking. That's why I think, you know, and we can, Jesse, you can say, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, like, before we – before we move off the Sixers, I just want to close and say, having said that and the lack of bench and, you know, I, that's why I think we're going to, we're going to move Toby in the off season regardless. And we're going to hopefully get some bench pieces out of it because he's, he has not, I don't think anyone can live up to the amount of money that he's getting paid. No one really can, but you gotta, you gotta at least show some signs of. There's gotta be a pulse, and he's the guy hasn't like even really good. Like he does nothing good. Like rebound, defend, shoot, drive. Like do one or two things. Like at a. He's another one last night. Elite, that but like really good. Up. Like for the amount of money that we're paying him, like good. For the amount of money we're paying him, and to only lose by four points, Tobias Harris should have been. That's a guy that you look at and been like, "Where were you, dude?" We're ten points on nine shots. Like that's terrible efficiency, and that's a terrible output from a thirty-eight million dollar player. Exactly. From the field. Which means I think we move him. We're gonna move him and for some picks and some hopefully some viable bench pieces. You know. Well, I mean, we'll pick Guthrie in the off season, but it just. Well, stop. The tail of the tape really is the 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 benches. Like I'm looking at the box score, the the Nuggets had more guys in double digits and points than we did. The Nuggets had three guys score over, you know, three guys scored over over ten on their of their starters. They got twenty, twenty two, and eleven out of their starters. You go to the Sixers, we got. 10 points, 34 points, 19 points, 24 points, 9 points. And then you look at the our bench, and it's just a series of wet farts. Yep. Whereas the rock, the the Nugs bench, they got 10, they got 8, they got 21. Like, the most our bench got was Niang, who, again, is, is an idiot. 
and he got eight. He got eight points on a shitload of shots. Any any warlock could do better than that knucklehead. So like, I mean that's that's that's. For the record, I love George Niang. I think he's a great sixer. He sucks. And yeah. um uh, and I I love the uh, I, I will throw 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 some shade at somebody like I love hearing you know people drag uh, Joel for you know meaningless points. It's like it's crazy. It's like I'm listening to to people calling to WIP complaining about Pat Burrell and, and Bobby Abreu, like with their bullshit home run in the eighth inning. It's like, it's the same thing. Hi, Bill. I see the side eye. No, I said it. I said that. I, and, and I'm letting you finish your point. But like, it's points are points, man. Like Joel's putting up 30 points a game. Like there's, there's some, there's some games he's, he's putting up 40, 50, like Joel's playing great, but the the problem is when and again when our when our starters are putting up points the starters weren't the issue last night it's the bench and that ultimately has to fall on the gm and the coach for for what you get out of your bench the the rocket the the nugget i keep calling the rockets the the nuggets won because they got a shitload of points out of their bench like they got 30 31 39 39 you know like half of their they scored half of their points on the bench like that so it's like so what what does doc do does he just does he just grind his starters into dust because he can't trust anybody on his bench to score points it's embarrassing uh for the record Kyrie Irving put up 60 points tonight Mm -hmm. so talk about points and in the NBA like there's a guy that's not going to be playing home games and he just put up 60 points on the road. So you take away 60 points, and they win 150 to 108. You take away the 60 points, they lose that game handedly. Yeah. So it's like, I see what you're saying, Jesse. Like, points points kind of don't matter, but they do, especially, like, when Bill's going to throw out things like, oh, the Nets are a better team. I go, well, in a seven-game series, and Kyrie's not playing at home, and he's not able to put up 30 to 60 points a game. Edge goes to Sixers. Yeah, and and I mean, Joel was the leading scorer in that game last night. Like yeah. nobody scored more points than him. I, I, Doesn't matter thing, if you win the game. I don't care how many points he scored. True, right, but like since this is the thing that frustrates me about Philly fans, you got James Harden. Since James Harden's been here, you've won seven games. Since James Harden's been here, you lost three games. Before James Harden, you had no prayer. Where is the – why is it like 10 games in we are like sky is falling? I don't understand that. You a guy here that wouldn't fucking play. Wouldn't play. Honestly, and John. Your GM traded him and two other guys to not – I want to say important pieces, but role players on the team for a top 10 guy, all like top 10 in the league in the past like five years. Why is this like – why is this negative? That's the frustrating thing about Philly. It's like you asked, you wanted what you, you you prayed and got what you wanted, and then you got it, and we're still not happy. Like well, that's so I don't understand. The 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 issue was like those first couple games. You know, like Harden comes in and they look great, and so like everybody's feeling like you know really smelling themselves. Like man, we're we look legit, and and now they've hit 
a rough, a rough patch for a week. And well, there's there's guys are on tape. It's no different than any other sports. Well, it's it's it's. I I know. You know. Look, we looked great. I mean, they're not arguably shot. because like, they played. We we played a back to back against the Knicks, who are like a clown car. Okay, um, the Timberwolves, right? Shit show. It's we're getting embarrassed and losing these big games to teams that we could possibly <laughs> see in the postseason. That's where everyone's starting to raise the red flag a little bit. But what I'm saying is, is like, let's just see what happens. The rest, we got the rest of the regular season. I'd love to see what, you know, I'd love to see how many times the Nets embarrass us in a seven game series. I just, I would love to see it. I would love to watch it. And I would and watch that, every fucking second of every game. And that and, game's an enigma. That game's right. a complete enigma. I understand how it's an important game for Bill's Bell's point. I get that. I get that. You don't want to come in and get your dick kicked in. No, you don't. After what happened with Ben, the way he acted, and the hype that Philadelphia media put through it and the nation put through it. It was a nationally televised game for a reason. Fine. But James Harden said, that's a good game for us. We got our, we got our asses kicked. Great. Okay. So, you know, like, again, if that was game seven of the finals, we're having a different conversation, but we're not. This is, you know, the beginning of a new, basically, team. So, again, I don't don't understand the sky is falling. You know, it would be different if, God forbid, someone was hurt and, you know, rewind back to pre-All-Star game and we didn't have James Harden. I'd I'd be all on board. I'd be like, if they don't make a move, this, this team's screwed. And they and they did and and I just I, I I don't get it. It's just not the way I think. I understand. I, I sort of understand where Bill's coming from, but like it's at some I think point like you to understand where I'm coming from. It's it, it's simple, and I'm not in the category of. At no point have I said I'm bailing on the team. Have I no point have I said I'm not going to watch the team, support the team. What I'm saying is I see it through different eyes, twofold. One, like everybody else. We're still in the honeymoon period, technically, but but the hard I think for for fans, and again, I'm not trying to say all these crazy Philly fans who call in and get crazy are like basketball like savvy in the sense that they watch the game, and not that by any means. But I think I'm Jerry West when I watch these games. I just you know look for a little bit more than just the box score to tell you how the game was played. You know, there's just a lot to that basketball game, like any sport, the intricacies of the game. And I guess what I guess what I'm saying is I was really under the impression and it could still be it could still be the case and this is just a bad ten day stretch for the for them or whatever. But I was under the impression truly that we were one star like James Harden away from becoming an elite team in the league. And I think the reality is is we're still several pieces away from that. And I think that's where my my reservation comes in now seeing it when we play against good teams. Our best player is the center. He can't play 45 minutes in a playoff game like superstars do. He just physically can't. Like, he just can't. He's too big. James Harden isn't able to play 45 minutes like he used to play anymore. He's too old. You're lucky to get 35, 36 out of him. Again, not a problem. That's 75% of the game. But the reality is, is that between Tobias and Maxi being a second-year player, this is why second-year players don't win championships. 
or, or I shouldn't say are major pieces in it because once again, like the Celtics game, like the Heat game, like the Nets game, when it's ratcheted up and you don't get the ticky-tack calls, how do you respond? And Maxi literally got manhandled by Kyrie, and it was it was like embarrassing. Kyrie doesn't even play defense, and Kyrie just shut him down. And I think that's where my eyes got opened is, oh, shit. I think we're more than a, a James Harden kind of guy because we lost two big pieces. And I'm not trying to say it was a bad trade. I'm not saying it was a mistake. But the reality is that Seth Curry is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. That's a, that's a fact. That is a stone-cold fact. Andre Drummond is, the best, is, is one of the best rebounding big men in the league this year. That's a fact. Our two biggest weaknesses on the team right now, three-point shooting and rebounding. So we lost two good players. I'm not saying it wasn't worth it. I'm saying we lost two very good championship-esque pieces to get James, and we don't have anybody to even come close to sniffing their jockeys to fill those spots, I guess is what I'm getting towards. And not that those only two spots were the biggest issue, but the fact that we're not seeing real progress from Toby and like finding it out, like figuring out his game. And I guess it's just one of those things to where, like I said, I could be wrong and I'll eat shit if I'm wrong. And these guys start crushing it and go on a big run. And I'm praying to God they do. And I look like a jerk off. I'm okay with that. But what I'm saying is I don't know that we're, we were James Harden away from a championship now from just how we play against the elite teams is all. And I'll leave it we, with that. We all knew, look, we all knew that whether we got James Harden or not, before the James Harden trade, our bench was thin. Okay. So whether we got James Harden or not, you're a fool to think that, like, by getting James Harden, I'm not calling anyone here a fool. I'm just saying you'd be foolish to think that by getting James Harden, James Harden is going to fix our bench, right? James Harden's one guy, he's one piece. Now, to trade. DeAndre, DeAndre, or I'm sorry, Andre Drummond, DeAndre, Andre, Andre Drummond, and Seth Curry to the Nets to get James Harden. Obvious upgrade, right? But, but we still all knew our, but we knew whether we got James Harden or we kept Seth and and Andre Drummond, it still wasn't enough. It still would not be enough. Our bench is still thin, no matter how 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 you cut it. You know what I mean? So it's like, we knew this was, we knew that this, this was uh, of the elephant in the room. Really. Well, this is how I, I, mean, I was say, I always knew it was a concern. Some subjects. I want to say one last thing. James Harden was brought here to do the Sixers blueprint was played to a T list. I guess what I want to get across. Dominate with your starting five. We outscored them by 35 starting five, the starting five. And just get enough minutes from your bench because it happened last night. Our starters got subbed out. We were up 17. They came back in. We were up eight. And that's literally how this team is built. Get a big lead with your starters. It's going to get dwindled down a little bit with your shitty bench. But keep it up still and then get your guys back in and build it back up. And last night was a blueprint on how this team built to win. And, again, I get it. It's just one game. I understand that. But the the blueprint failed last night against not a super good team, but a good team. And that's what's worrisome. It's like we're built to get leads kind of, it's going to slip away a little bit with our bench, but then we don't have, but our starters are good enough to ice it back up. Well, 
when Joel's, you know, doesn't show up in the fourth quarter when we need him to, again, not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying he's not an MVP candidate still, but those, that's always been his question is, I mean, we can shit on Ben all we want last year in the fourth quarter, taking no shots. I don't want to give false fact, false information, but I guarantee Joel had a terrible game seven shooting. I, I would bet money on it that Joel had a terrible game seven shooting overall. And that, that's been his MO since he's been here in big games. Where's Joel at? And the hope was you bring James in, you take that pressure off, but through eight games, you know, when, when we need a bucket, he's, he's, he's resorting back to the old Joel flop into somebody and cry for a foul. Well, that's a tough way to play basketball, winning basketball, but I'll shut up. I know. Uh, Jesse, oh, I, I love the, since you're the stack guy, I'd love you to look up George Niang, how many three-point attempts he had last night. Two for ten last night from three. Two for ten. He I, had, rest my case. I rest my case. He had, what, eight points total? I rest he was my, two for ten from three. He was two for ten from three, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'd say probably eight out of those ten were wide-open shots. No, he missed a shot, but look at what Dem- Denver shot six for like Which he usually makes. Street. Which he usually makes. Yeah, but so, so does Denver. That's a two-way street, though, Matt. Denver had a horrible three-point shooting game, and they're usually a three-point shooting team. So, like, I, that's... But what I'm what saying mean? is, well, I don't care what Denver does. Denver put up 100... Denver put up 114 points. Yeah. If Niang made two more, two more of those wide-open shots, we win the game. Okay, but then how about if Will Burton makes two more of his threes, they win by 10? So that logic is so flawed to go that way. I, I know what you're saying, but it's a flawed logic because the other team, Joker, cannot miss free throws like he did, and they win easily. Like, things – I don't fault guys for going two for 10. I'm saying I do. good teams <laughs> overcome two for 10 shooting from your bench, from your best well, bench. he's on our bench. That's no, my I'm point, saying. Bill. He's our bench player. He's like he's our, our number bench one player. bench player. Yeah. Him and Danny Green, They're, they are here to shoot. You touch the ball, you shoot because yep. you're you're supposed to make those shots, especially wide open, uncontested shots. So, and they didn't fall, and you're gonna have nights like that. So, I also I don't, don't know like what NBA team creates a makes an in season trade or an out of season trade and goes seventy two and ten, unlike Bulls and Warriors in the last thirty years, like. Like, I don't know what more we need to sort of do here to change anyone's opinion. Like, well, you flocked to that 72 and 10 number a lot when like people complain about playing good. How about let's start not losing 20 point lead games at home? How about that? Like, that's a good right. start. Fair point. But what a, then, then talk about the games where we win by 20. Because no, I'm saying when we play the Knicks and we play. Shitty teams, the Timberwolves, we're really good at beating bad teams. But when we have to play Boston and we're down by 45 at halftime, again, in a nationally televised big profile game, okay, just one game, hey, it happens. We go to Miami. I get it. James didn't play, but, but, neither, but, but neither did P.J. Tucker or Kyle Lowry for the Heat, and we lose by 18 on the road. Okay, well, it happens. It's a bad game. Shit happens. We'll get them next week, guys. All right, and then we go. We you know we we go play the Nets. This is our comeback game. We're gonna take these when we lose by thirty, and the game's over. And basically, at halftime, like those are the things that I get it. It happens here and there, 
And the NBA is just, it's crazy right now still just with how, you know, being a new team, I get it. But this team is so up and down. Yeah, I think we could beat anybody in a, in a, in a seven-game series. There's not any team in the league that I don't think we couldn't beat if we played good. But I don't think there's – I think we could easily get swept by a team too the way we play. We're so up and down with how we play. It's just tough to get a pulse on this team in my opinion. We play really elite some nights. And then some nights it's like, when did you guys start playing basketball? Because it doesn't look like you play very well. And I think well, that's partly my point being like you're eight games into this. Yep. And he's brand new. And it's You've not got just 15, 14 more games to – to fuck no, around. Even, I, shit, I don't even give a fuck about that. Like, we could talk about next year if it doesn't work out this year. Like, you're better I, off next year. You're better off. You have James Harden. Right. Like that. That's where. That's where I don't understand. Like, the, the, yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody who's arguing about James Harden being on the team. I don't know who. I mean, I haven't heard people bitching about that personally. I mean, I'm not saying they haven't, but no, no, no. That's but that's what we're saying is like, if 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 what it basically is like. If if the biggest success for this team this year is acquiring James Harden, it's a win. We've got we got the biggest elephant in Philadelphia history out of our room. Like he's gone. He's in the past. And we've got a top arguably a top five player for the next four seasons, arguably barring injury, I can't predict the future on our team. But with we can't arguably the uh, the MVP of the league. So I think we made some progress this year. You know, the only thing we can't be blind to that on that fact, Matt, is that this team then needs to win. Oh yeah, like it's not like oh we got James Harden and that's great we're selling tickets and jerseys and all that. That's what what that's what the past was. Just win, baby. Right now you've got the guy. Now you got the guy. Now, if you need an extra piece or two in the offseason to do what Bill wants with and what I think we all sort of agree with, sort of with the bench, um, is get that extra piece or two. We're right. gonna deal we're gonna yeah. deal Tobias Harris for but, bench. But speed. this Not is spots. probably the first year in probably the last five years in the NBA where I was like, any team can win the finals. Any any of these teams can win the finals. I I think you're right, John. I think there's legitimately Six to eight teams that can win the finals in the NBA. And that's exciting. It is because every year it's usually LeBron's team or Steph and the Warriors. Who's going to win? One of those two. Yeah. Yep. So, no, and you're right. And I'm going to leave this little nugget that I've heard on some of my NBA dark circles that supposedly Maury's grand plan is to unload Toby and we're going to sign Bradley Beal. Right. That's been swirling. That's been swirling for about two weeks now. That so. that him and Joel are good buddies, and that's but they but again again it's the same situation because for because for that deal that I heard. Well, that, hey man, there's only one ball at that. Point. That's what it is, and now you still have all your money into three players. So how are you going to? And what does that do with your? But still, the, like the bench. Yeah, like, you had no money. You got to sign veteran minimums. Yeah. Okay. Jesse. The hundredth episode, right? Big mm-hmm. night. Baseball's finally back, baby. Baseball's back. I don't think anyone's been waiting for this more than you. Bill might. Bill. Bill's a close second, but I think. I think I want to hear your thoughts on 
how it went down. Are you happy with the terms that, that they came with? Uh, or are you not happy? Do you not care? Um, and what does this mean for the fills? Like we got to get, they got to get to work. So the, they were not going to, the players were not going to be able to fix how much they've been screwed by the last couple CBAs in one, in one CBA. So this was going to take more than, you know, one contract. So it's, it's a good start. Like they have to abandon the international draft because that will devastate what, what's going on in, in um, the Caribbean nations that, that love baseball. So that, that, that'll go away because nobody's going to agree to it. Um, personally, I think the bonus pool is, is still too low, but I believe that can go up every year. The um, CBT is actually going up now as opposed to being flat every year like it was. Um, so, it, so it's good, like, that some of the owners can't just use, use excuses to not spend money all the time. And it opens up other, it opens it up for the owners that do want to spend money. The, the other issue was you had about a third of this league that were, the, the owners were multimillionaires or billionaires running these teams. Like, like they, they, they had to get by on food stamps and you had a third of the another third of the t- the owners that are like, what the fuck? Why are we giving you assholes revenue sharing money if all you're going to do is pay your pay your your meager payroll with it and then pocket everything else? You know, the whole point of revenue sharing was to help make sure everybody was competitive. Well, the owners, those deadbeat owners were just pocketing the money and not spending anything. And then. What you would have is the the minimum. If you're you know you're drafted, you, the only real money you get when you're drafted is what you sign for. And if you're not a first round pick, you're not making much money. You get called up to the majors. Now you've got to now you've got to play between six and seven years of baseball, making next to nothing, before you can finally get a shot to to earn a real contract. And the, the problem was these owners are like, Oh, they, they realize like, why do we want to give these guys, you know, why do I want to give this guy? He's 30. Why do I want to give him a new con- 30, 31? I'm not going to give him a big deal. I'll just get some kid from the minors. I don't give a shit. Fuck you. So, you know, that's how baseball's revenue was growing at this astronomical rate. And the, the, the salaries were decreasing because while, you know, while the Bryces of the world were getting theirs because they're the best players in the world, everybody else, Beautiful. the owners are just like, the, the owners are just like, MVP, eh, MVP. The, the owners are just like, I, you know what? I don't care. I'll, I'll replace you with somebody that's not as good. And I don't really give a shit because I'm going to save, you know, $30 million over the course of, the, of your contract. So, it, you know, it's good. And now the, because the difference be, between, like football and baseball is these guys have to play six or seven years before they can maybe get money. If you're a, you know, a first round draft pick in in the NFL, you get good money when you, when you're drafted and then you make good money throughout that contract. And then you can, if you're still playing well, you get another big contract baseball. You have to play six or seven years, not four or five. You, and you know, the owners use your age against you for that second deal. 
But at least now with this bonus pool, if you're the rookie of the year or the MVP or you're in, you know, these slots, you will get every year you can get a payout to help at least make it seem like you're not getting completely screwed. So it's it's good. Um, I, I despise the universal DH. Um, I think the bigger bases is stupid. I'm actually fine with the with the with the um, eliminating the shift because the pitchers have gotten so ridiculously strong that you know especially if you're a pole hitter they're gonna they're just gonna pound the inside of the plate. It's just like you know you, you read all these people on Twitter and Facebook and everything they're like oh just go the opposite way with the ball. You paid all this money like hitting a hitting a, a 95 98 mile an hour fastball is hard enough. Try flaring a ball to the opposite field when the pitcher's pounding the, the inside of the, the strike zone and the ball's in on your knuckles. It's not going to happen. The only thing you're going to do is saw your bat in half. So I'm, I'm fine with eliminating this with, I'm, I'm fine with eliminating the, the shift. I think that'll make the game a little more exciting. The, the sponsor stuff is, I, it's, it's coming to every league. Now it seems like the NFL is the only one that's hasn't done it yet. And it's only a matter of time until they, until they have logos on the jerseys. So it would have been nice if baseball was the one that, that resisted it. But overall, I I think um, it's good that the game is back. It's, it was my favorite sport. It's the sport that I, that I grew up playing. Um, it's the one I look forward to them. I mean, I love football. Don't get me wrong. I love football. I love Eagles football, but there's only so many Eagles games. So that's go birds. Go birds. So that's what makes, that's what makes the NFL season so special is there's only 17 of them now. And then the playoffs in the Super Bowl, and that's it, you know, baseball it's spring, summer and fall. And any night you could put, turn on the TV and watch a great game. It's, and there's just something about that. And the, I just you know, love the background noise that it has. Oh, dude, it's great. You're like the white, the white noise, the ambience from the yeah. stadium that kind of bleeds through your TV speakers. It kind of goes through your house and like, you know, especially if it, you know, coming through a radio, it's like, there's oh, nothing so like good. it. You want to crack open a beer, you know, oh, dude. light up I, a cigar, put a couple burgers be, on the grill. That's going to be happening a lot this uh so, so what's so what's going on with the Phillies? Let's let's get a, let's get a very um, they, early they, early early bird's eye view of uh, what's going on there. They've signed two pieces of shit. Um, Sounds great. Domestic domestic d- guys that have hit their wives and girlfriends. So that's okay. Aw- that's awesome. All right. Um, well, hopefully the, they can hit a baseball. The the other the the other reliever what hand? He's 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 okay. Like he's. He's better than most of their other relievers. Um, it seems like they're in the market for a bunch of guys. Um, so, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, free agency just started. April seventh uh, is still the projected opening day for the yeah, league. Uh, yeah, I think they're. I think everything's. They might push opening day back, but they said they're going to get 162 in because they're just going to eliminate a lot of travel days and do a lot of day night double headers to to make the games up. Um, so, Hey, maybe, maybe the guys will start doing greenies again, but, um, 
Hey man, yeah. bring steroids back. They need a they need a, a good option for the guys. So now we're gonna so the fans get to suffer on double headers when superstars don't typically pay back to back games. So well, that's Bill, it doesn't matter because you, because yeah, Bill. And guess what? The beers stay the same price. It does. They don't lower <laughs> the beer price. And, well, and, and <laughs> let's be real. Nobody does single ticket double headers. You have to pay to get back in. So. Oh but, man, even yeah, worse. I mean, yeah, something like if you have a game that like, gets canceled or whatever or gets shifted to a day game, you know, oh no, oh, no, JT Ramoto because he's going to catch the night game, so you miss out on one of our best players. I mean, it, at it, least now with the DH, they might have him DH the second game. Which is, um, I, hate, I hate that. I hate that rule. It's terrible. Oh, but Bryce they, can lay off the squats now. He can just sit on the next game. They, they uh, need- John, he'll be doing <laughs> squats in the bullpen. In the, you know, out yeah. there in the, yeah. They, they need a center fielder. Well, no, they signed that piece of shit. They need a left fielder because uh, they let Kutch go. Uh, they, they, no. still, they yeah, right don't break my heart. I need right fielder. Oh, man, I love Kutch. Watch him out they, there. Uh, they got a right fielder for 11 more years. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they need, they need a left fielder. They need to figure out what they're doing f- between third, short, and second. Um, okay. So real quick, Bill, we've, we've drilled John and we broke him down. How many years to see the light of day with LeBron James? We can do the same thing with Bryce Harper, with John. Bryce Harper is always an asshole. He always will be. I think think John could, if if we want, if he wins a championship, I don't, and and he plays very well um, route to a championship. I think John at that point. Would so have if to. if 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 he gets another NL MVP and wins the World right. Series the same year, you're not gonna you're not gonna eat a little bit of crow. If he wins the World Series, yeah, I'll eat crow. If he wins the World Series, he ain't gonna win a World Series. Oh boy, not with Mar- this market. Mar- March fifteenth, ten o'clock. Market. No, I mean it's hundredth episode. I mean, way to go out on a limb, John. You've got an owner that talks all the shit but won't spend money. You've got – and you've got a farm team that can't produce talent. So, yeah, like – Cleveland franchise in MLB history. No team has more losses than the MLB. And the, and the, and the depressing that's, – that's the, That goes back to the confusing part. Everyone got a boner when Bryce Harper got signed here. And I looked at it and I was like, you spent $300 million for a right fielder. He, by the end of his contract, he won't be able to fucking – being being right field, great. We got a DH now. Ooh, great. Um, so why did you do the contract? What what was the greatest thing? Why? Because superstars don't come to Philadelphia for any sport. What's that? Superstars really don't come to Philadelphia for any sport unless we overpay them. That's not true. It okay, name one superstar that came in their prime to Philadelphia. Well, other than James, other than James Harden. Yeah, but he was uh, traded for. Yeah, that's traded for. A free agent signing. Chose, oh, you mean a free agent signing? That chose to come here. We get one. We get one a decade. Yeah. I mean, I'm um, thinking. I mean, I'm, I'm being real. To. I mean, that was 20 years T.O. ago. I was just saying. T. I I was just thinking. Ella Brand was is not a superstar. He was. No. He was like a one or two. He was an elite. He got paid. Nah. He got paid like he was because we had nah, to we, pay him. We got Elton Brand like five seasons too late. Uh, I mean, the Phillies had a the Phillies had a trade for Holiday, trade for Cliff Lee. Like they drafted everybody else. Right, like, but the core of their guys were all yeah draft picks. We drafted them. Yeah, homegrown. Yeah, so what I mean, I'm saying is, 
if we don't develop or draft AI, we drafted, obviously, McNabb, we drafted, Reggie White, we drafted, like, the guys that are superstars, nine out of ten times, we draft them in this town or trade for them. The thing that I don't get is then why didn't everybody pick it outside of the stadium and say, don't sign superstar free agents, we home, we want homegrown players. Instead, they all went to the went to the store and bought all the jerseys. Well, That's what I don't understand. What happens is, hold on a second, one second. What happens is, the 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 argument that Jesse has regarding owners and how much they spend money is again going back to talking about how much these players make and how much they're requested to make because of either just came off of a great season or they're a quote unquote superstar or it's they, the market or it's the market or it's the market fine and they request these fucking insane contracts so it it doesn't it it, it basically doesn't work creating a team that way. And and even from the beginning, from the back on, I'm like, why the fuck are we bidding on two guys that are going to be $300 million players? You're insane. Unless they can hit and pitch, then you're absolutely nuts. It makes no sense. Let me ask you guys a question. Bryce I might know, be able to pitch. We just don't know. I know that Jesse probably knows the answer to this question, but I want to ask the question. Who's the sixth highest paid player on the Cincinnati Reds roster right now? The sixth highest paid Yes. Joey Votto? No. It's Ken Griffey Jr. Okay. Because he has a Bobby Bonilla contract, and all his money was deferred. So does that make, does that make an, owner who defer, an owner who spends $115 million on a contract 10 years ago? No, I want, I want his agent. Defers want. money to still getting it in 2024. Like, like from a business standpoint, you're like, well, obviously the owner's doing something, I guess, smart, right? Because he can't fucking keep signing $100 million players. Well, no, it's... What do they do? They have to fucking defer these huge contracts. And back then, $100 million was huge, but today that's nothing. And, well, you're, they're sitting complaining. The players complain about how guys aren't getting paid who who are in like the farm system or making minimum pay. And you have a guy who hasn't played in 10 years making $6 million per year. Well, okay. I mean, who's well, well, I mean, that is a stupid owner and a stupid GM that, that weren't, that, that was the March shot era of the reds. When you, when before, uh, baseball, the baseball money exploded, right. And they were trying to keep their player, but when, when, and she didn't have a ton of money because it, so it is what it is, but that was a terrible contract that the owner gave the player, because if you look at the amount of money that they've spent through interest and everything else, they would have been better off paying him what he was worth and being done with it. The reason Bryce Harper is on our team and not the nationals is because the nationals were trying to defer 20 years of his contract. And he said, no, I want my money now. Now, to, to touch base on everything else, John. Can uh, we back about the Bryce Harper thing? Like, what? you do realize that, like, Bryce Harper, when he was a rookie, basically did waited to the very last second to sign his rookie contract because mm-hmm. he basically acted like a piece of shit then? Like, so you're, no, you're no, no. Go ahead. No, no, let me, let me start there. 
He negotiated for the entire year to get the contract that he felt he was worth and that he deserved. I'm talking when he was, when he was, I know exactly what you're talking about. And again, get your chicken. You, you are, take care of your chicken. Got to get your chicken. Got to get your chicken. And here's a guy that does it. And you're like, how dare you, sir, get your chicken. Like when, when you have a job interview, do you just, if somebody's like, we're going to give you 20 grand a year. Do you say, gee, thanks, mister. Or, or do you negotiate and try to get the best deal you can? He negotiated and got the best deal he could. Or Scott Boris is in his ear saying, Hey Bryce, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And they got their money. So, you know, good for him. Now let's talk, let's talk, let's, let's, um, well, before you, hold hold on, before you get into the whole, this time, like, explain to me again where you're coming from. You're saying because he signed three years ago and the way his agent negotiated, that's, that's the leg you're standing on. What? You're not doing a good job asking a question. I'm trying to understand where like, you're talking about, well, he got his chicken. Great. I understand being a free agent and, and, and going out and saying, I think that I'm worth this amount of money. Mm -hmm. When you are a, rookie baseball player mm-hmm. getting drafted and you think, Oh, I'm fucking, I'm the highest things in the sliced bread. And we're going to negotiate with, with the, with the team that drafted me, but I'm going to be, a, I'm going to act like a prima donna, but I haven't even played in the MLB yet. You don't, you don't think there's a little bit of negativity towards that person. Well, you don't think it's a little odd again, the, the, the odds of, making it from being drafted to making it to MLB are so astronomically small compared to basketball, to hockey, to probably not hockey, but like, but like football and, and the NBA, like you get drafted, you play, you know, in MLB, there's a chance that that money that he negotiated would be the only money he ever made because more often than not, these first round picks they flame out. They never amount to nothing. So he negotiated the best deal that he could to set himself up the best way he could so that when, when he, you know, if he was able to make it to the majors, he had money, but also if he didn't make it to the majors, he had money. So let me, I'm going to go while we're talking about other things and look at where he was drafted. So if we, if we want to talk about money and, and everything with baseball, so, and, and he was the, he was the number one overall pick, right? So Boris went to the nationals, every team and said, listen, if you draft my guy, this is what we want. This is what we want to sign. You know, baseball is, like um, the signing these, these draft picks is like the wild west. It's like how the NFL used to be where, you know, Matt Stafford's of the world would get 40, $50 million before they played a snap. That's kind of how the MLB draft is. There's a, there's a gentleman's agreement of slots, right? So if you're the first pick, you get this. If you're the second pick, you get this, you get the third pick, you get this, but there are certain teams that will agree to that, and there's other teams that care about winning, and the, and they'll whatever. 
and they'll they'll spend whatever the the agent and the player they talk about it and they they make that decision. But let's let's double back to money and how greedy the players are. From 2012 to 2019, Major League Baseball's revenue increased 53%. In that same time frame, now granted, this is a 53% increase in their revenue. And in that same time frame, their franchise's values have gone up almost 75% in the same time frame. In the same time frame, baseball players, the the average salary of an MLB player, not the Bryce Harpers, the JT Romulo's of the world, the average guy, their salaries have gone down 30%. So save me with this, oh, there's, what are we going to give these guys all of this money? Here's the thing. The money's there, right? The money's there. You can't magically make the money go away. So there's this giant pot of money that's got to get divvied up. And you know what? Give it to the players. Because if you were, if you were to magically remove all the baseball owners, John Middleton's gone. And you just put some random billionaire in his place. Philadelphia Phillies probably are run better than they are now. If you replaced every owner of every baseball team, really nothing happens. Nothing changes because you would put another smart businessman in their place and it's business as usual. If you replace the 1200 baseball players with the next 1200, the product is dog shit. So yeah, the players deserve every penny that they get. The owners are making money hand over fist. In this off, in the last two off seasons alone, they've they've been able to increase their revenue almost half a billion with a B, billion dollars in extra revenue. That they that when they locked the players out, they were refusing to give them zero extra dollars. So you know, save me with that. This well, this we're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree on the millionaires or billionaires thing because. Listen, if you're going to sit here and argue about how millionaires and billionaires can't get along and all of a sudden it's a, t- it's a shame for baseball and then, oh, magically, oh, they're, they're all buddy-buddy now and they made an agreement. Well, then both sides made an agreement and they came to the decision that it, what's okay for me is okay for you. And now we're playing. So obviously it wasn't that important where the MLB players wanted to stick to their guns and it obviously wasn't that important where the, the billionaires wanted to stick to their guns. Yeah, Everyone but if you look at – hands. Everyone shook hands and said, we're going to play baseball this season. So you know what? No complaints on this side. No complaints on this side. John, Everyone you, got, fans got baseball. If you look at the, if you look at what the play, if, if you look at what the owners offered when they initially locked the players out and you look at where they ended up, the owners, the players forced the owners to come way up because the owners were like, no, nah, we're not going to do this. 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 We're not going to spend any extra money. We're just going to keep it all for ourselves. And the players are like, cool, cool. We'll just now. And every time the players would put out an offer and, you know, they'd negotiate and then they'd go back and then they would negotiate and they'd go back. And eventually the players were able to get the owners to, to come up and, 
I think the big thing was this time through that there weren't any, there was only one baseball writer that was carrying water for the plot for the owners, the baseball owners and Rob Manfred were getting slaughtered by every single baseball writer. They were getting killed. And the, the, the funny thing was when negotiations first started, one of the, the only guy that was carrying water for the owners had a, had a remark of, Oh, um, who was it? The, the, the pitcher that won helped the Scherzer. I think it was Scherzer. He, sh- he showed up for negotiations driving his Porsche. And it's like, bro, all the owners showed up in private Gulfstream planes. Like, are we really going to talk about a player showing up in like a $150,000 car versus the owner showing up in like $10 million private planes? So, but again, it's even, it's, it's to that, like, but it, but it, you know, what? it doesn't matter. We got baseball and that's here's the, here's here. I'll, I just want to make a small point here because I am a Bryce Harper fan. I, I root for the guy. I think it's good for the city of Philly. I think it's good for the Phillies. Um, I, I just want to go down the list. I'm not a real big baseball savant in terms of like what teams are trending and stuff like that. I, you know, as as much as like I'd say Bill or or Jesse, but like I see a bunch of guys getting paid a whole lot more money just this year. I don't know what their contract is over the the full their full life of their contract, but Bryce Harper this year is the 18th highest player in baseball. So that means that there's 17 guys this year getting paid more than Bryce Harper, and I'm seeing teams like. The Mets, the Padres, probably all pitchers, the Tigers. Yeah, but are any of these teams going to win a World Series? Any are, are any of those teams even a playoff team? That's the other thing. It's like baseball. Baseball. I don't want to so say. My point is, is my, my 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 point is is that Bryce Harper's not the only. Like the Phillies are the only ones overpaying for. You know, Bryce Harper's not like he's he's not like he's not like the only guy. I don't like Bryce Harper because I think he's over. I think he's, I think he's paid a shit ton of money for being a right fielder, which I don't think is a super important position in baseball. And not to mention the other ten reasons that he's a piece of shit. That's all. Yeah, but he's okay. Okay, all right. I mean, but like, like, I'm not saying like the guy. Not that many make, guys can. Not that many guys can hit the ball like Bryce Harper. So you make the right field argument, but like, you know. I mean, for three hundred, I, I don't see many guys hitting the ball like him. So, but pitching, pitching is important in baseball. No, I get it. I get it. But like, I, I think I just, I think I just named a bunch of teams that are paying, you know, players who are probably pitchers, way more money than Bryce Harper, and they're to Bill's point, they're not even they're questionable playoff teams. So, the the Mets are going to be a problem <laughs> now that the CBT got raised, and they've got an owner that. That's got like Cohen's got more money than um, than Middleton. Cohen does have more money than John Middleton. But the difference is like where John Middleton likes to talk about spending his money. Cohen is going to be like, cool, I've got fuck you money, dude. I'm going to fucking spend it because I can't take it with me. The, the And it kills me to say it, but like the Mets are going to be a problem 
in in like two or three years and it's it's like seeing the Mets good is like a level of pain like seeing the thought of like the Cowboys being good or winning a Super Bowl like it it hurts me deep in my soul I'll believe it when I see it we I I feel like we say this every year same with the Cowboys it's like oh boy like look out it's the Cowboys you know yeah but like the Mets have a legitimate top to bottom roth pitching roster now like they get a yeah, couple more guys to pitch. Sense, but but uh Degrom opted out of his is going to opt out of his contract he didn't sign an extension um i think yeah, if but, they don't make playoffs this year he's out i think but Degrom I also think, said he's going to sign with them well i think the reality with the mets and and i think issue with any sports team and i mean it can change obviously but the mets have a culture issue they had the Mets, the and, and as does the, as do the Phillies. Like that since since you know since the Charlie days and since you know the you know the Pat Gillick days, um, top from top down to the you know from top to bottom, there just seems to be you know a disconnect between scouting the minor leagues, the pro team, and the Mets. I, I, I agree with Matt. I think teams like the Braves are just so well run and so ingrained until somebody knocks them off. I mean, you know, I think they're the team to beat in the foreseeable. I mean, they are losing Freddie Freeman, but they, they got that dude Conlon or whatever from the A's they traded for. It's just insane how the A's and the Rays just turn out guys that hit 330 with 40 runs every year. And then they traded them away when they have to get paid. It's just insane. If I was an A's or Rays fan, I don't know what I would do watching the talent that has to leave those cities because they can't pay them anything. It's just insane. Well, and then, and then you come to cities like Philly and the Mets and the Cubs, they write these huge checks for Jason a word and you name it. And they don't do shit. And it's like, that's what's frustrating. And that's, I know. I, and I get that's where John's at with Bryce Harper. He sees the big check. Well, well what's it get you? And I get it. That's the frustrating part about, you know, baseball contracts. They're big. It's a slow season and not many guys win. It's a very cream of the cream of the crop rises, and I'd, I mean, I'd rather, spend that, about, I'd rather spend that money on pitching and guys that are. Are they doing when you expand the playoffs in ML? What's that? Yeah, they're doing so. What they're doing, seventeenth per league now. Are they doing? Is that what it is? Or like, are they doing like a play-in game? Or like, yeah, how are they going it's, about it's this weird? It's going to be this weird, like. Um, the, the, there's going to be like a weird play in series and it, bullshit. It's do we have robots for umpires yet? I hope to God we do the yeah. fucking umpires in this. In They're this trying out some minor league cities and trying them out this year. They're the, starting to kind of make their way. They're, they're so bad. The, the umps in this league are so bad. Like it's almost fact- getting to that point with, with basketball too. You're starting to see it. It's like, well, it's because like, games are so good. Well, we saw it on Monday. Games are decided by one or two possessions. So, like, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, like, when, you know, when Joel doesn't get an N1 call, because he was getting, that I will say, is he was getting murdered. And I think they're slowly trying to get him. The league is silly preparing him for the playoff. But a foul's a foul. Like, you foul somebody, you foul somebody. Like, and I get it. Same in, same in football. You can call a penalty on every play if you chose to, so it would just kill the game. But then that also makes the game really tough from a fan's point because it's like, well, is this a makeup call our turn? Or like, so that's why I do agree 
the idea of automated umps or refs are appealing, but it does lose that human element, though, I guess. No, it but. does. It totally does. But I think, I think that, like, in basketball and in baseball – and football, too. I think – well, I think, I think this, this is most relevant in football and both football and basketball because it's just the nature of the game in, like, fouls and penalties and how they're, they're called – I think the refs need to really do a better job of like get together in their pregame meetings and say, and do a very, a better job of saying, okay, we're going to let this, 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 and this go and, and hold to it. We see too much of like one team getting away with something. And then all these, to your point, Bill, these bullshit makeup calls, you know, thinking that they can call a ticky tack foul. That is like a makeup call for something that was just blatantly missed. And it's just fr- it's frustrating, like it's frustrating. And even if even if we get even if it's like, you know, if it benefits the team that you're rooting for, you still don't like seeing it. Like like there were a couple calls last night where like it was like that flagrant foul call, right? It's like I think we were both we were texting back and forth like, come on, like you you're either you're either calling that or you're you're calling that or you're not calling it. You know what I mean? And it's like what's a flagrant foul anymore in the NFL? And what's a, what's a, what's a, um, um, what do they call it in the NFL? Uh, unnecessary roughness. You know what I mean? Like it's just You're talking about the Embiid one last night. Yeah. Um, you know, and my point is just like, overall, I think these refs really need to like, and, and, and I think the GMs or, or whoever manages it in the league, at, you know, above them need to really, you know, look at this a little bit closer and be like, yeah, like who's managing the referee team, you know, the refer the referee teams here. Like, like it, it just seems like they're not, they're not sticking to their, to their game plan, their game plan on how they're going to call a game. Or is there a game plan before they even like the game even starts? Do they even meet? Like, what do they talk about? Like, it's like, you know, all right guys, we're going to let this, 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 and this go. Like, it, it, for either red or blue, like it doesn't matter. Can I explain matter. what what the game plan is? What the game plan is to make sure that the both teams don't end up in a fist fight. You <laughs> can thank the malice and the palace for that, and that's exactly what it is. They don't want teams to get in fist fights. So no, I get that, but then but call the game, but call the game evenly though. Like if if it, if it's getting too physical, then that's when then that's when you throw a double technical foul and it chills everything out. You know what I mean? Right. But don't let some guy, but don't let Joel get raped and then not call it and then make it up with like two ticky tack fouls for the other team. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's too many bullshit and I don't care what team you're, you're calling for. It just takes away the, I, I don't know, as a basketball fan, knowing how it's, knowing how to play the game, you know, uh, well, having, I think I know how to play the game. Um, and just, you know, knowing what, what is a foul, you know what I mean? Um, it's just like, it's frustrating to see no matter who you're rooting for. Like, you know, like sometimes like, like what we were saying, John is like that MB call last night, like that frustrated me, even though it was like, it was, it it was beneficial to us, you know, it was still frustrating. Like it just, I, I saw that play and I was like, there's no way that's a flagrant foul. That's a, that's a guy going up to block a shot. I mean, is it Embiid's fault that he's um, under three bills and basically, like, I don't want to say isn't strong, but 
kind of isn't strong. Like, yeah, like that's a, that's a good defensive play. Is that indicative of a, of a flagrant one foul? Absolutely not. Based on what? Based on the, the contact that he made with his bang, bang is a bang, bang play. The only reason why that looks like a flagrant foul is because it looks like the way when he fell, it looked like not he was clotheslined, but the way he came down and that looked bad. Yeah. But again, like, but they're calling, they're calling even less, the, you know, less abrasive fouls, flagrant one fouls. Sure. Yeah. But most of those, those fast break plays where guys end up getting either hugged down or the Alex Caruso play that we saw this, this year where he broke his wrist for Grayson Allen, like, even like some of that stuff, it's like, it's not dirty shit. Like the guy fell on his wrist. Sorry. Shit happens. The guy was going up for a lap. What am I supposed to do? Like now granted, you shouldn't be clipping a guy's legs out or doing things like that. But the way that the NBA refs call the games now, they call it when a foul is either deemed a flagrant or flagrant two, or both guys could get ejected. They're doing that. So both teams don't end up with a fist fight because that's basically where the NBA is at right now. Like last night was funny with, with Embiid and I'm sorry, with a Harden and, and Boogie, like those guys were like head to head. And I'm like, <coughs> perfect example of like, if someone just gets out of control, someone could just punch somebody like, and that's basketball, but no one does it anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I mean, physical game. And I mean, I think it's, 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 lacking, it's joked though. about now, but I think part of like the Grayson Allen like I agree with what you said like like part of the part of the issue like part of what made the NBA like a different game and fun to watch I think it what made the league the league and now it's deteriorating year by year is the fact that like you hear guys like Isaiah Thomas and other guys be like you know like when you go into the lane if you decide to go all the way to the rim like you knew it going doing that like you're gonna yeah. get hammered like you're gonna get tomahawked like it was like, it, I mean, it was corny, but like guys like Trey Young didn't fuck around in the lane because they didn't let you fuck around in the lane. Like, yeah. and that's yeah. kind of like, I really kind of wish the league, uh, we're so far away from that as the league is depressing. But that's kind of like, I don't know, to me, what made the league, it's like, and what made Jordan Jordan because he was a guard. He, he was bigger, he was six six, but he was a guard that didn't mind jumping in with the trees down low because he had the athleticism to do so. And he wasn't the first, but he did it, like, the most eloquently, I guess. And, like, just yeah, He was the it. first finesse guy. Yeah, like, the guy who was a true guard that half his game was in the paint. And then when he got a clear talking about it on one of the radio shows, and same with LeBron, about how LeBron and Michael were so similar. And Kobe was a little less drivey early on, but, like, Jordan and LeBron could score on anybody at the rim. So that's how they scored their points the first six, seven years in the league. But you get hammered even though there's no foul calls. You feel it after a while. So you're like, fuck that. I'm going to take a little 15-foot jumper, a 17-foot jumper. And that's when Jordan became lethal from the outside because he talked about it. Like, he got tired of getting hammered to go into the rim. He's like, two points is two points. You know, I'd rather just pull up and elevate from the wing. And But, I don't know, I guess that. I think the culture of the NBA, I guess, will, will never be what it was. And that's, I think, was the, I'm sorry, on a tangent, it's the saddest thing. Because that's what made the league the league. Like, you knew when the Knicks and Bulls played, look out. Like, yeah. you know, B.J. Armstrong didn't do little floaters in the lane because he knew fucking better. Like, it was just, 
But the malice basically was like, we don't want this for our name. And I, I, we don't want people into the stands. We don't want, we don't want people fist fighting because of, you know, whatever. Yeah, so but that's, like, now the stands are different. Like the old school NBA with the fights, it was detained to the court. Like the players going at it, it's one thing. I don't think the league would be as insane, but the fans have become emboldened to act like morons because they have the, oh, I paid for a ticket. I can say whatever I want, act however I want. And it's like, all right, yes, you paid, and you should be able to boo a little bit and talk to But you're also a human being, and there's also some limitations. Like, these aren't, you know, caged. You know, this isn't a circus where you're going into a cage and like, oh, look at that perform. Like, you know, you're going as a spectator. I mean, that's why they call you a spectator. You know, it's – but so I think that's – where the palace was 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 shocking that like the fans just got to that level where I don't give a fuck. The Detroit Sox had been bad for years. Fuck it, and you know we're. This hundredth episode point, brought to you by. Yeah, I, don't mind I, I wouldn't mind if Boogie and James went at it, throw a couple shots. James didn't back down, but you know Boogie Boogie talks that trash. James just gave him dead eyes. Like, you know, and, and, but I don't know. I, I agree in London. And then did you see when Bogey got all pissed at Dybul when he yeah. gave him that cheap uh, foul and then Dybul didn't, didn't want him to help him up. And Bogey's yeah. like, fuck you, man. You see, like he got all pissed at well, Dybul. He kept, he kept jawing. He kept jawing out. They, they took him out of the game and, and Thibel was, Thibel was set up in the corner right next to their bench and Bogey kept jawing at him and Thibel just looked at him and laughed like just laughed in his face the whole time yeah cause Boogie, because he knows better than because he ain't that kind of player it just he gave me a dirty screen I know you don't hate me as a person but I don't need your fucking hand helped up how about you don't give me a dirty hip screen well especially when especially when my teammates right there like I'm gonna yeah, wanna, like, you know again, he wasn't being all great it's just I, I I know personally if I got a dirty screen I'm not looking for the hand for the guy who just fucking did it right away I don't hate the guy but get the fuck out of my face no, I mean you're competing. Yeah, you're out of my face. I mean that's the way. Just going back to the malice of the palace thing, like that the whole the the precursor to what happened was because of Ron Artest and Ben Wallace going at it. No, they were, but the fans. The, the, malice, the, the aftermath of them sitting and and then the refs debating about whether ejections or whatever flagrant there wasn't flagrance of them. But reviewing it, like in him sitting there, and when that that fan threw something, that's what started the mouse palace. But that the whole thing is like we need to stop these these guys from going hard fouls in a lane or slapping. I mean, I think he was. I think what was it? Ben Wallace was like almost going up for a layup, and he hit him in the head. Ron Artest like, hit him in the head, and Ron Artest came out and like said like he like he was warned like he was going to do it, and like the NBA does not want that. You know what I mean? That's not good for the NBA. Yeah, but they don't want straight thugs, but we've all played the game when somebody's driving or whatever, and you have no intention of truly hurting the person, but you also know, and again, this is the NBA where players know each other to an extent, scouting reports, but I can speak, and I'm sure you guys can too, if you have a guy who drives hard to the lane and, you know, kind of like a dunk, say, like, you know, if you're going to foul him on a layup, like, you got to come with it hard because he comes hard. Well, because he'll, 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 he'll end one you. He'll end one you. So you go to smack his elbow, and now that becomes his chin, and you're like, oh, shit. Didn't mean to do that, bro. Like, you kind of – I just wanted to foul you hard to not get the shot off. So I yeah. think that has its spot in the league, too. Like, that Jeff Green foul on Joe Embiid was exactly that. 
He just wanted to foul Joel hard so he couldn't get an N1 dunk. And Joel's just uncoordinated to where when he gets it, he can't keep his body like going like in, in like a coherent way to like when he loses his balance, he's falling. It's just that's it's crazy how like that's uncoordinated why these he is. called weights, and they they help you like. Oh, he's bad. I mean, he clearly has muscles. It's just I think he's oh, one of those he's guys. Just so just, big. I mean, he's, he's just, just so, so big. big. He never threw into his body like learning how to use it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there is a difference between like Shaquille O'Neal. Magic big and Shaquille O'Neal two years into the Lakers big. Like Phil Jackson was obviously like, dude, bulk up and you'll be unstoppable. Yeah. And he was he got like and and Joel's more of like Joel wants to wants to be like Kevin Durant. Like he he's still at the top of the key, dribble the basketball, like all the shits. Like, bro, if you literally just got if you just put 25 pounds on and stayed at the box, and I know NBA doesn't want to do that anymore. Like you would be Shaq, you'd be unstoppable. Yeah, but I, I think what's magical about Joel is the potential to be Hakeem and not Shaq. And well, I think it's a combo, like John said. I think yeah, Hakeem never had Joel's post game, and Hakeem never had Joel's outside game consistently. Like Hakeem had that 15, 17 foot. He was lethal. The little running hook. Joel's a chameleon. He, I mean, he has that dirt fadeaway. Yeah, I mean, Joel is just literally a unicorn on offensively, and it's just, I think, at times he forgets he's 7-1, and he plays into that contact. It's like, just stop. Focus on scoring the ball, and if they foul you, you get the whistle. But don't, like, just, I, I, that makes me literally 0-10 to 10 insane when he reverts back to, oh, he flops in the guys. It's like, yeah, that's a foul, Joe, but... But you, you know, know what though? Go around him and score. You know like, what, so But that's like, a piece oh, of the that's a piece of the game, the modern game that I think we just can't relate to. Like the flop, the flop is has become a move. It's a yeah, move. Yeah, like you can't it's, run it's, into somebody and be like, you found me. It's like, dude, you it's, ran a into of, like, it's a you piece ran of strategy. Like, like it's a piece of strategy. Like 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 that rip through, like that rip through yeah. move that they the guys do now. I can't stand it. I don't care. Like Joel does it all the time. And he's really good at it, but like, I, it kills me to watch that. Like, that's not what I want to watch. Like, I don't want to hand s- check. I mean, basically, if God's hand checking you, you do that. It's again, they're not hand checking you anymore. But that was yeah, part I, of that. That's how we were taught to play defense. You put your hand on one, and then you get your other hand up. You get hand up to the passing lane, and you put your hand on the guy, so you feel him out. Where so like we were literally taught the opposite of how to play the game now when we were yeah. like in camps. It's just it's it's there's parts of the game that are new like it's it's part of the the new wa- this new wave that like I think we just can't really relate to, but um, but anyway, let's move on a little bit. I know we want to touch on some M- NFL free agency. Jesse, you've been bombing us here in the in the message. Like we've seen some notable moves so far. I think one of the most notable is 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 Ross to to the Broncos, right? The Eagles made a big splash earlier today. Um, you know, what are some of the other notable moves that have that have happened? I mean, I mean, I guess Brady. I don't know. Whatever, whatever. I guess, right? I, I don't know. I mean, that's not necessarily a free agency move. I mean, that's like that's just retire. him doing what he wants to do. You know, because he's because t- he's the goat of football. But I like mean, Mitchell Trubisky to the Steelers. That's a pretty big move. As a starter, as a starter, yeah, he's I gonna mean, be a starter. I, I, 
with the amount of money he's getting paid, I hope. And they don't have anybody else. Like, he's a starter. Um, there's, there's rumors that, you know, that Chargers pick that they have up above the Steelers could get traded and Steelers could draft a quarterback there. But, again, you know. If the, with the money they just gave Mitch, they're not going to draft a quarterback. Oh, I will. I will take that. That's to the bank. They're absolutely drafting a quarterback. You think? <laughs> absolutely. Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, I would also think big moves, Matt. Like, I think the big news today was Randy Gregory kind of pulling the pulling the wool over the Dallas Cowboys' eyes, which is always great. <laughs> deal it. Deal in principle, and then. Yeah, verbal, and then we say, "Nah, we're good. We're going to Denver." Do the Eagles take it? I mean, did did Jarvis land anywhere? No, not yet. The there's only there's only one, uh, Marcus May got signed by the Saints, so there's only one good safety left in free agency. So, I mean, that that's the Eagles need oh, no, a corner. We're good. John said we, we have Kavion Wallace. So we're going to have safety. They they need a safety in a corner. I would love to sign the honey badger. I really would. Nah, he's, he's, he'll be expensive. No thanks. I'll pass. Um, yeah, Andy also, passed on him. What? Did Andy pass on honey badger? That's got to be something. They don't have the money. No, they didn't pay somebody. They paid Justin Reed from the Texans like $30 million. And they didn't, yeah, they, they, they didn't even offer the honey pay. badger contract, they said. He also got paid a couple years ago too. Like a lot of these deals, remember in the NFL is like, let me get my my guaranteed money, and then we'll tell you to piss off the last two years of, of your deal. Um, it's just a matter of guaranteed. Yes, you're right. Speaking of of guaranteed and getting the bag, guarantee. Doug Peterson just making splash after splash after splash, spending the cons money. Love it. Love yeah. it. Dougie. Might have to be a Jags fan. Guys, God just went Super Bowl rings. Get him out of town. Run him out of town. God just went Super Bowls. Get his Christian, ass out of town. Christian Kirk, four years, seventy-two million. That's a terrible contract. That is and an absolute terrible I contract. If, if my math is correct, I don't have I have his number on screen, but I I believe he's the fifth or sixth highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Crazy. I don't even think he's, yeah. I don't even think he's the top thirty wide receiver in the NFL. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's decent, but like. He ain't good, good. So the wild thing is they're going to have to trade LaVishka now. I heard that. We might make an offer for LaVishka. I'd take him in a heartbeat. I'd take LaVishka in a heartbeat. Trent Balky and uh, Howie don't, aren't talking, I'm sure. They don't talk. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely – my gut tells me we're taking one rod receiver in one of the first three picks. I, I don't want oh, to – Matt, we almost forgot. Jesse's favorite player, Carson Wentz, getting traded. Yep. <laughs> to the newly to the newly branded commanders. Who, I mean, who's gonna who's gonna have um more more uh, catches the first game back for against with Wentz? Uh, any any commanders receiver or Darius Slay? <laughs> I, I uh, I'll, I'll put week, my money on Slay. What week is um what week does Carson Wentz make? Come on, man, <laughs> dude. I, you know what's amazing is like, you know, for for whatever reason that he was let go here, or I'm sorry, excuse me, traded from here, and then he goes and it's like, you know what? He needed a new a new, uh, a new lease on life. You know, he well, it was new, the reunion. It was the reunion. Code, right? And and Frank's like, oh, we had the chance to get this guy. This is this is this is great. 
uh, Carson's a great guy. And then after the end of that season, they uh, say, go, you know what? We're going to trade you for a couple third rounders. It's like, ah. Uh, John, did you hear? So not only did Wentz try to talk to the owner to, you know, calm things over, and the, the, uh, the owner was like, nah, bro, I'm good. Then the coach had to then go to the GM and the owner and hat in hand be like, I'm really sorry, guys. I fucked up. I, I thought he was, I thought like had to basically apologize and beg for his job. Yep. I, and then uh, after that, he post went posted this bizarre thing on Instagram about how like he doesn't care about any touchdowns or anything else. The only thing he cares about is like, um, what the, what the Lord's plan is for me. It was like army of one dude. It was fucking bizarre. Army and it's of like, one. You, you read this and you're like, this dude's going to be like a youth minister or like one of them televangelist pastors in a year and a half. Well, when, no, John and I were talking like he's going to be, who, who did we compare him to? Who's going to end up like John remember like the guys that were like the second coming of Christ coming out of the draft. And they end up being like, just a backup somewhere. Sure. He's not going to be a backup. To- totally just a journeyman, a journeyman backup kind of his, guy. I don't think his ego will allow him to be. I think he's going to have a bad year and we're retire. saying he's, he'll just retire. Yeah. And he'll be like, he'll be like the next uh, host of the fucking nine, nine o'clock slot on the 700, the, the 700 club. <laughs> I, I just, it's, I mean, you guys know how much I like to be right, but man, is it is it fucking so nice to see that fucking scumbag get uh, ran over like a fucking Mack truck? He, and it. and we really and, but we still have our pick too. That's the beauty yeah. of it. We yeah. we I sent the thing in the chat, and it it really never gained any traction in the chat. The uh, that that tidbit from the McLean piece about how right before it was either like right before or right after. The um, I think it was like right before they smashed the the Vikings, he was in rehabbing with all the other hurt players and was basically like salty and butt hurt that they were playing so well. And like they, some of the other some of the other beat guys have kind of like talked to players and put two and two together. Apparently, it was Sproles that went after him. So, if this happened, how? 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 If you're Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, do you give this man that kind of fucking money as a contract extension? You, you sweep that under the rug, and you trade the the guy that almost won the MVP that year for for first round picks, and you get him out. Like I, that's the one thing. They were about- drunk on winning, man. They 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 were. It, it, it was like they were looking at the reflection in the in the Lombardi Trophy, no, and they I were guess, just they were I just high that. on they were high <laughs> on that ring, man. But like, if you hear, like, if you hear, because you know every player in that locker room knew the minute it happened, they they all knew. Like, how do you bring him back the next year? Like, that's an unforgivable sin. Like, that's I mean, that's it all, it all depends too. Like, I'm not I'm not gonna rebut what the report was but like again how extreme was it was it you know listen john we, we all started new when 
when Nick Foles did that, we were like, I think I said it on the podcast. I said, this guy's got to win two, two Super Bowl rings for this, for the Philly fans to forget about what Nick Foles did. And he probably knew, like we all did, knew that was an impossible feat. And there was no way in Philly he was going to be the guy or looked at as the guy. There's a goddamn statue of the guy with the biggest dick in Philadelphia on Broad Street. Well, also, it, it doesn't not hurt. Me, not hurt. me. It, it doesn't help when that that injury that he that he suffered, he was not the same. Uh, I, you always say that, Jesse, and I, and I, I respect He's that not the opinion. same guy. That, but that's, dude, he's, he's how many years removed from that, and he's still the same player. No, like but, he's, but he's still, he still throws the ball like, like a withering duck. Yeah. He's, still, but, he's in the pocket for too long. No, but like, does all the same shit that he was doing when he was. God, you're missing when he before he before his knee was before his knee exploded. He was special. He had that that the, that mixture of size and quickness and elusiveness that allowed him to do stupid shit and get away with it. Once he got hurt, he still did the same stupid shit. He just couldn't get away with it anymore because his body couldn't cash those checks anymore. Like you go back and you watch those games in 2017. He made dudes look stupid and he doesn't have that anymore. And like that injury he had, I, when it first happened, they were like, you know, all the Philly guys kind of glossed over because they didn't want like the doom and gloom. Like it was one of the more severe, he, he, he basically tore every single ligament in his knee. He did the terrible triad. Like he did all of them. And so, yeah, he still does. He still has all those bad mechanical things and, you know, the. And the leadership things and everything else that was. uh, Yeah. But before when his, before when his legs worked, you could kind of be like, all right, you know, it was like Favre. You knew in every game Favre was going to do something fucking dumb. Right. But he had enough. He had that mixture of like special that hopefully he got you far enough in front in the game that when he did that dumb thing, it didn't matter. Like that, that was basically Wentz. Like he was special that year and his knee explodes and he's never the same guy. And I don't know if it's hubris or ego or just he's dumb or what. He, he wasn't able to look in, like look inside and be like, all right, I need to change me and work on me to be able to still be a pro. And he never did that. And now he's on his third team and he's probably going to be out of the league next year because Washington's going to sour on his ass. It's, it's remarkable. Like you, you look at the amount of picks we traded to get him. And then we only get a first and what a first and a third for him. And then the very next year, Washington initially offered a fourth and a sixth for him. Uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for Bill to uh, say nice things about Howie for that trade. It's okay, I'll wait. I mean, in in I mean, you you look at it. The 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 the, the thing that they made the mistake on was not getting rid of him when his value was at the highest. That well, was I mean, the, you would have had to done you would have had to done that in 2018. Yeah, exactly. But yes, I mean, but he was also injured, and then he'd have to. People want to see him 
come back from the injury. And then right before he's going to come back from the injury, he gets hurt again. So that well, I, I think you would have been, I think you've been able to get a first for him after the way he played in 2017, you would have been able to, I mean, he would have been the MVP of the league if he didn't get hurt. You would have been able to get a first for him. Um, but you, you look at how it's, it's remarkable how, how fast, and, and it's not through like, you know, some guys, they get hurt through no fault of their own. They play hard and they, you know, something bad happens and then something bad happens and then something bad happens. It's like, he's the pilot of the plane driving straight at the fucking ground. And he's just like, we're good. I don't need to do anything different with what I'm doing right now. And it's just the plane's like, and the ground the, the only player close that reminds me of like the same result is like RG three. It's not exactly the same, but like, you know, and RG three got rushed back from injury. You know what I mean? And he was but like, but, but he here, there's a guy that didn't know how to make the adjustments within himself. And it ended his career, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's I remember I was watching RG three was doing things special too. I oh mean, yeah. I remember the, it was that, um, the, the Ravens game. Yeah. It was like kind of rainy. It was like, and, and you saw it like it was the yeah. same with Wentz. Like you saw the knee just be like, yeah. like flopping around like a. And you almost knew, you almost knew you were like, wow, I just saw someone's like entire life like change. Yeah, he was, before he got hurt, he was special. And he was never the same technically, since. Technically, he's still special statistically. I mean, he's still one of only three quarterbacks ever to have three straight years of. 27 and seven interceptions. Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees are the other two to do that. I mean, statistically, he's an anomaly. I mean, if you look at his career, even his MVP year, he only had 33 and seven. I mean, he had 27 and seven last year. I mean, he didn't. Everything I heard from him is even before the last couple of games of the season, it's he's that much of a ship bag that nobody wants to deal with him in the organization that he's beyond uncoachable and he plays, I mean, he's God squad, which is whatever, but that he wears out like a coat of armor, basically that, you know, you can't talk to me a certain way, you know, and, and apparently, cause you know, like you said, I'm not going to repeat what you said, but you know, the fact that the owner won't even meet with you after he paid you $30 million last year, I think it's a telling sign that like, you know, it's, you know, it's, and, and hearing no teammates come to his defense from Indianapolis. So I, I think it's a, he's one of those guys that I think the talent's there, but like Matt said, I don't know if it matters, John, I think with between his ears, it, it's, it's going to hold him back and ruin his career. Yeah. Cause he just thinks he's Joe Montana. And it's like, bro, you, maybe you could be, if you were able to get coached and able to learn and, you know, but it sounds like, you know, if you have, if you can't do it with Frank Reich, who's like also God squad and like that's big in his life. And, you know, as a man, like if you're not going to work there, now you're going to go to that, to, 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 to Satan's, Satan's butthole in Washington. <laughs> you know? It's like, I mean, there's going to be titties on the wall when you walk in, stripper poles in the locker room. You know, it's like, Bro, like, what do you – I mean, I don't know. It's I mean, just, they, they have a good defense, but, like – No, I mean, they're a good team. And, and in theory, like, if – I'm saying, like, he's – better keep, he better keep that vibe next year. Like, we can literally watch Carson put up 30 and 10, like, and win the division because Henneke was that bad on that team. I mean, look at us twice. 
We won by, I mean, we, we beat who's seeding Gilbert Grape by 10 points, and then we only beat Henneke on a last-second interception. So, I mean, they were right there with us the entire game, you know. So, it's, I think Carson, in my opinion, is better than Henneke. So, it's like, you know, and Ron Rivera's a great coach. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they win the division this year. Like, I'm not saying they are. I haven't looked at it. I'm saying it wouldn't shock. They have a, they had probably the, the best defense in the division, pro, arguably maybe the Cowboys, you could say. Receiver-wise, you got McLaurin. You know, you got, you know, I, I don't know, you got good running back. I don't know. Like, you got a good coach. It's the NFC East, you know, that would be another podcast. But there's no one team I think that's way better head and shoulders than the other. I think any team could win it, except for the Giants. I think so- they're a who, uh, who's going to enjoy like absolutely demolishing him next year more than Brandon Graham? Like, yeah, if, if, if we can sack him, we were thirty second in sacks last year. Hopefully, our new addition we can get to him. You know, hopefully, Assad Reddick can make friends with him on the ground. Have they not released? Have they not released schedules for next year? I, I mean, I haven't seen that. We know our opponents. We just don't know when. Oh, we probably don't know when the league year hasn't started yet. So probably when the league year starts, they probably release that stuff. But we know the opponents. Jesus, we're going for a three-hour three hour episode tonight. We are. Um, well, for I, I just, episode. I wanted to um, – I guess we're reaching the, 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 the time of the episode where, you know, if you're still listening to us, I, we owe you an apology. Yeah, um, because you have a shot and a beer if you're still. But, but we also, but we also, you know, slightly don't give a fuck because it is our hundredth episode. So you gotta episode. let us slide. Um, but you know, I'd like to. I'd like to. We talked about Carson Wentz not being the same guy, and I think part of him, you know, when he took that hit, he kind of part of him died, you know, as an athlete. Um, and you know, uh, unfortunately. I think we lost, you know, literally lost someone who died, who was a true athlete, true technician, Hall of Fame, you know, uh, a Hall of Famer of his craft. Um, And that's uh, the one Scott Oliver Hall, a.k.a. the Diamond Stud, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, a.k.a. Texas Scott, true journeyman wrestling legend started in the WWF bounced over to the WCW then did a small stint in ECW then went over to new Japan pro wrestling and then rounded out his career in TNA. Um, the guy basically did it all and did it at a at the highest level. Um, you know, bill earlier, you said arguably the best, one of the best, if not the best finishing move, I'd say one of the best finishing moves. Um, I said top five. I put it in. I could say it's. I mean, there's some good ones. The Rude Awakening. I mean, there's some good ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, if we're going, if we're going for some, that's a whole another episode right there. I mean, he's a guy. I mean, oh, we we need to do we need to do a true wrestling episode, like with with some guest callers. Um, that would really make you know. You want to talk about a three hour episode? That one would be, you know, from top to bottom. I think every minute would be worth listening. Um, but you know, Razor Ramon made, made chewing on that toothpick. Cool, man. I mean, that's where we all got it. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, he's, he's a staple. I mean, he's, and it's, he's part of our childhood. You know, I feel like every time I hear news like this, it's like, all right, there's, I go instantly go back to a, a time and a place in my, in my youth, 
you know, and think about all the all the cool memories and us completely beating the shit out of each other every summer during SummerSlam. And, and you know, like John said, like, you know, mimicking the, all the moves in, in, in your neighbor's pool or like, you know, putting all your couches together and just going off top ropes and, you know, the wrestling buddies and all that. And it's like, you know, hearing the death of of, of Scott is like, you know, part of that is like. You just take it and put it in a in a vault somewhere, and it's just it's it's sacred now. You know, it's uh, it's it's weird. I and I, you know, and I don't think I don't know. Do you think like kids today when they grow up, they're gonna have the same like they're gonna hold wrestling as sacred as like as we did? Because I feel like it, it's l- like the NBA. I feel like we grew up in the golden age of wrestling. Like too old. like they say we grew up in the golden age of the NBA. You know what I mean? Like. We saw the explosion of the NBA, you know, like Hulk Hogan was the Michael Jordan, you know, he changed the game. Like he, he took it to, you know, another, a whole other galaxy, you know, for generations to come, you know, I mean, you had the Ric Flair's who was like the Julius Irving's, you know what I mean? And like the Larry birds, but like until Hogan, you know, you put, but without, but without guys like Scott Hall and, you know, and um, I'm uh, I'm blank like Undertaker and all these other guys that like w- with Hogan along the way, it was it wouldn't you know, everyone played their role. And I think that, like, you know, very few guys, you know, could uh, perform at the level that that guys like Scott did. You know what I mean? And it's like it's just sad. I mean. And just the way that the way that he died, you know what I mean? It's 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 just it's it's just so sad, you know. I mean, to to the whole blood clot thing is just something as you get older, you know. And it's just like it's it's a scary thing. And just the way the note to know the way these guys sacrifice their bodies, they get to a point where it's just like it's just it's unpredictable the way their bodies just fall apart. You know, they, they just they have nothing left to give. But like Matt, not only did we see the golden era with like Hogan and Macho Man and, and all of those guys and how great that era of wrestling was, then you get the attitude era, which was mm-hmm. just as good. And, you know, then you had the NWO stuff and the black well, and an white, o- the red and black. What? Scott Hall's an OG of the NWO. I yeah. mean, like, that's that's the other sad part to think about is like you think of the NWO and it's like the first one really to it was him with Hogan and Kevin Nash pretty much they were like the ones that when they when they turned on um was it Sting and uh Macho Man in the ring that was the beginning of the NWO too sweet baby and then you had the uh the NWO what was black and white and red and black yeah like that was fun. Like that's when like re- wrestling got me back for a while when I was in college. Like, and then when they they brought all those guys into the WWF, it was just they had tons of talent and it was so good. And then, you know, I kind of drifted away from it. Now it's just not. You know, it is what it is. But if you get a chance now, take wa- take some time and watch AEW. Yeah, I was AEW just gonna say that the the that 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 ter- that league is uh it's legit 
Like I, you know, at first like you, you saw it come on, you know, and if in its infancy, and I guess it's still in its infancy, but like I gave it a shot a couple times and then I texted, you know, a couple buddies of mine that are, you know, way deeper into the wrestling world, especially the modern era today. And I was like, you know, is this for real? And they're like, yeah, this is like, this is a legit, this is a legit organization. So that's rivaling, rivaling uh, WWE. You know, I mean, I think it's, it's here to stay. I mean, it's, they've got some high flyers. They've got some tech, you know, some technicians and, and they're I think not afraid it's, to get bloody. and they're not. And, and I, and the production value is good. You know what I mean? I think it's uh, I think it's a quality, uh, a quality product, you know, for the wrestling world. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, it would, it would, it would have been a, it would have been criminal for us not to, you know, pay homage to him and round out this episode, you know, with a, with a proper tribute to, to him because I know, you know, um, I know how much you guys like Jesse and John and, you know, you guys were really into that, that era of wrestling, the NWO era, but like his, his, him as Razor Ramon really catapulted him. If it wasn't for Razor Ramon, you wouldn't have had that. You wouldn't have had that NWO. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't have been as special. He was a, he was the true like a true heel guy like yeah he did start out like kind of like a like a, a face but yeah. then like he him and when him and Scott Hall teamed up like true tag team bad bad dudes you know what I mean like it mm-hmm. was it was great and uh, if we'd like um, I got a ten bell salute queued up for for Scott all right. Rest in peace. Guys, congratulations again. 100 episodes. Uh, let's, I can't wait to 200. I mean, I, I, hope, I hope we can do it. I think we can. I hope we can make it to 1,000. Well, it's going to be at 200, it'll be five fit. I, I hope. Yeah, that- well, at, two, at, 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 at 200, I think one of us will have had a black eye. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. There'll be a fist eh, fight by then. Eh, but like, eh. James will be telling Bill how bad his takes are by then too. Oh Jeez, man, look out! Look out! Yeah, because you know why? It'll take us to uh, about five years to get to two hundred, mm-hmm. and by then James will be talking. So yeah, he'll be able. Oh, he's going to be in his yeah. own words. Yeah, you know, coming up, coming up with us. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations, guys. Again, um, you know. Looking forward to the next hundred. But until then, Jesse. Go Birds.